Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Thursday, the 5th of October. I know what you're thinking. It's nearly the weekend. That's what everybody said. They're always thinking it's the weekend. And it's a miserable old morning. It's been a bit windy and blustery and things are blowing about all over the place. So if you've got an umbrella up, take it down. If you've got, you know, furniture out there, just make sure it's not going to blow away. Trample. It's all sorts of things because we could have some gusts of wind today which could ruin your garden. Security at the Conservative Party conference, even worse than imagined. And then she loses her voice. I've lost my voice before. It's You could feel it going. I could hear it. I thought, this is disastrous. And the more she tried, the worse it got. And then she gets given the P45 by the deeply unfunny uh, prankster. I mean, they basically call him a bit of an idiot, actually. Which, of course, he is. But he managed to to highlight, I suppose, a complete lack of security. Anybody can get one of those accreditations and walk in there and somebody could have done just about anything because they didn't seem to check properly, did they? Also, the titty-ditty, not so witty. I say it quickly to get over it because I think it's a funny word, ditty. And uh, also, uh, Michael Boublier has decided not to host the 28 Brits. The Pigeon, who's a war hero. So many pigeons were war heroes. We use thousands of pigeons. In fact, animals feature quite heavily down in Knightsbridge. They used to be, I don't know where they've moved it to, and it was a tribute to animals that we used in the war years. Horses and dogs and pigeons and things like that. We used loads and loads of pigeons in the war for sending things over, and they found uh, a record of one particular pigeon who was a, an absolute stalwart. 250,000 of you, quarter of a million, could lose out on Monarch. These are people who put their flights or their holidays on their debit card, which is not as good as putting it on your credit card. On your credit card, you're protected. Most of you on your debit card are not protected at all. So it's going to be a lot of disappointed fate. I don't know why people do that. If I ever think there is a danger of me losing money, and you know me and money, then I put it on a, on a credit card. It's as simple as that. Uh, also, real gardeners cut their lawns, apparently, with a scythe. So says Monty Dom. Um, I don't know if you've ever said... They used to do it in the hayfields years and years ago. I mean, I'm talking, you know, way beyond my, my time and stuff like that. But they did. Big scythe. <laughs> But, I mean, blooming dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. They do little scythes, hand scythes, and big two-handed scythes. Also, the jobs at the BBC, 4,500 of them, where nobody's got the faintest idea what they're talking about. It's utter BBC gobbledygook, as indeed are most things on the BBC. Smoking cannabis apparently does make people more violent. And uh, the boss is laughing at the Home Office penalties. You know, this is where the Home Office come round and they discover somebody's employing an illegal. So they find them. And they've done a big piece in the in the papers today uh, saying um, they haven't paid. They haven't paid for these illegals. Somebody says, you've, you've got an illegal working for you. I wonder how many different companies there could be like that. You know, maybe you've got somebody in from overseas who doesn't have a passport or anything like that. And, um, and then you get fined 15 grand. They don't bother paying. They laugh at the Home Office. You know, complete shambles, isn't it, really? Uh, also, uh, the gang... In Paraguay, nothing to do with us, actually, for the first time ever. We've got some stupid gangs, but this is another one. They spent four months digging a tunnel underneath a bank. They were within inches of getting to the money and they got caught. (laughs) It's so funny. Uh, Also, the key to success, according to the British Nobel Prize winning chemist, is tea break. Have a tea break. A tea break's very good for you. You know, because it's it's where you sit down and you just go, oh, just have a nice... It was the British way of doing it, wasn't it? A nice cup of tea. It solves everything. Come in, love. Come in. Have a cup of tea. 
you go, oh, that's not... I mean, I, I told you we walked down South End Pier some years ago, quite some years ago, and the one thing that derived more pleasure for me than anything else was having a cup of tea halfway down. We sat there and we had a cup, and I thought, there's, there's something nice about a British cup of tea. What do I drink at work? Coffee. Why? Because I need to keep my wits about me and to be, you know, up there with it and all the rest of it. And, sorry? <laughs> what was that word? I don't think I know that one. I was asking somebody the other day. There was, um, I was talking to David Hasselhoff. <laughs> sorry, another name dropped. And, um, and he was telling me that he learnt a word over here to save his aching nose, the biggest... W- sorry. And he learnt this word and he got the whole audience to say it when uh, Piers Morgan came in. And he laughed... And it turns out this, and I can't tell you what this this word is. He said the whole audience said this word when Piers came in. I said, "Do you not have that word in America?" And he said, "No, we don't." So, uh, and I'm not repeating it to you. And you you can you'll, you'll have to kill me first before I shall tell you what the word is. Uh, Davina McCall is still divine at fifty. She is. She is absolutely divine. And uh, what was the other one? Oh yes, the um, the twins' emotional tribute to a war hero dad who they never met. They were they were too young. Quite clearly at the time. Strictly hit by another sex shocker. Gemma Atkinson apparently secretly dating Alexandra Burke's dancing partner. She's a bit desperate, Gemma Atkinson. That's how her entire life consists of not actually sort of doing anything decent. Just sort of just sort of talking about, oh, I'm not going on the programme to find love. Which, of course, makes Molly King look a bit stupid, doesn't it? Uh, the spy who loved knee. That's your knee. Hands, knees and bumps a daisy. The GCHQ grope rap. He, uh, how many first biscuits are you getting through? I bought you a sandwich. There's a sandwich in there. You having that for the bus? Oh, right. You have things back backwards, don't you? Do you have in, in Australia... I was going to ask you this, actually, because some people do it strangely. Do you have sort of a starter, a main course, and then a pudding? Or do you sometimes have pudding first? You have pudding, pudding at the end, like we do. I wonder why that is. Because for the third day running, I've had soup for my main meal. I think the weight's falling off me. I'm going to be attractive by Christmas. It is. I mean, I've had I had, had a chowder for the third day running because it's got bits of potato in, bits of swede, bits of fish. So I think it's actually doing me some good. And then I had a little tiny trifle for a pudding and then coffee. Still no Prosecco. Still no Prosecco at all. But I don't feel any different. I thought by now I'd be sort of jumping around on the scene and going, yeah, and all that. But it hasn't happened like that. And then somebody else wrote to me the other day and said, I've been off booze for the best part of a year and I've noticed no difference either. I'm doing it for October. I'm doing it for October. Uh, and I had to go yesterday because uh, being at the at the hospital, once you go, I think they could, yeah, outpatient, they take you off the medication. So the painkillers I was on, I only get three days worth. And and then I, I go, can I get another prescription for painkillers? And they said to me the other day, she said, no, she said, you have to go to your doctor to get them. I said, is my doctor aware that I've had surgery? And they went, yeah, he'll, he'll have been sent the, uh, or she will have been sent the uh, thing. So I go to my doctor's yesterday and I said, this is going to sound really weird. I said, but I need some painkillers because I've had um, surgery, pointed out the surgery and all little bits. I've had skin grafts and stitches and all the rest of it. I said, I just need some more um, of the tablets which they gave me which are cocodamol not the ones you buy over the counter these are the super strong ones so I don't want too many of them I just need them to sort of tide me over and uh, so very kindly she said well the doctor's really busy today what I'll do is I'll do the prescription take it in and get him to sign it and send it over to your chemist which is exactly what she did which was fantastic so I'll go and collect those uh, this morning 
And uh, I thought that was nice. That was over and above. Over and above. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, the page three kidnap girl. This is Chloe Ayling, who turned up on the television. Quite clearly nobody believes her. Nobody's believing this girl. Which, I have to be honest, is a bit far-fetched. You know, for somebody who's been through something as traumatic as this. She doesn't really seem to be affected in the same way. She was complaining yesterday, why shouldn't I cash in on it? Hmm, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. But anyway, uh, she says, I'm, I'm right to do it. Who's going to buy the book? I can't imagine. I really can't imagine. I personally don't believe her. But that's, my, but that's the way she comes over to me. I've been taught over the years to read people. Like if, if I do an interview with somebody, you know if they like you. You know if you're going to get a good interview. And sometimes, you know, you think to yourself... I mean, I always, always the interviews I dread turn out to be the best ones. So David Hasselhoff yesterday turned out to be a fantastic interview. Matt Lucas turned out to be a fantastic interview. But I bet the press lift a bit of it. I've just got this feeling that the press... Because it's the only time anybody's ever asked... Nobody's ever asked him this one question... Did you ever fancy David Williams? Did you ever fancy him? Because that's his name. It's David Williams. He changed it to Walliams. And they met. And I think it was at the National Youth Theatre where Matt was uh, stagehand. And he saw him and he thought, I want to be like him. I want to be like him because he was the person he wanted to work with. And lo and behold, it, it happened. But I said, did you ever fancy him? And he said, nobody's ever asked me that before. So I bet you anything that will be the bit out of the interview that the papers lift. They have to. It's uh, you know they they do lift little bits and pieces. Uh, the big C Mar wins a million. This is a lady who had uh, cancer, and she won a million, and she got reprieve from the cancer as well, which is fantastic. So uh, very pleased with that one. And we take this morning your texts and emails eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. We weave everything in on the show. Why? Because we're just like that, and because it's Thursday, and because it's going to be a nice day. Well, I hope so. It's going to be a bit windy. And it's going to be a little bit blustery out there. So, as I say, batten down the hatches. But uh, I'm looking forward to the weekend, actually, this weekend. I don't know why. But I always look forward to the weekend. And I look forward to... But then tomorrow I've got the hospital back again, which is OK. We'll have things changed. We can have a look at the leg. That'll be the interesting thing to look at, the leg, tomorrow. Because that's the bit which is where they took the skin graft from. And so I'm looking forward to seeing... So far, I've not seen it. They've kind of covered it over with sort of like... Um, it's, it's like sort of almost a tent thing, but it's made... It's hard... It's sort of made out of some sort of hard material. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, the cancer drugs, costly, which don't extend lives. But that's the risk you take, isn't it? Some drugs react differently with other people. I've had to change some of my uh, my medication. Uh, also, what was the other story in the paper that I quite liked? Oh, yes, the uh, Niall Horan has got a, a new girl. And um, she's uh, a soap actress. Her name is uh, Olympia Valance. And uh, she's Australian. And uh, her half-sister is Holly Valance. But anyway, luckily, they managed to get her down to her knickers and bra. So she, she, she's, she's got a great career going in he- ahead of her. Uh, plus, what was the other one here? There was another one I saw, actually. Oh, yeah, the warning of the 60-mile-an-hour winds and the flood risk. And uh, the former Great British Bake Off judge Mary Berry has praised Prue Leith as just the person to take over her role on the show. They did another one the other day on the television, on the Bake Off. It was another one for... Comic Relief, which is the BBC's charity. And they, um, I didn't even know who half the people were. I seriously didn't know who they were. I knew a couple of them, but there was some, and I was looking at them thinking, who aren't you supposed to be instantly recognisable? I didn't know who they were. There was a couple, of, a couple of women on there and a bloke who I was uh, not aware of, which is a bit of a shame, isn't it, really? Uh, Mike says, I understand security concern that um, that bloke got that close, but he entered the arena with what weapon? A piece of paper. Well, how did they know? 
He might have had anything else on him. He had accreditation. He could have walked in there with anything. Seriously. He went through a scanner, but, I mean, even so. You know, there are probably ways of getting these things into places like that. Uh, Alex says, you losing your voice wouldn't be disastrous for anybody. I know. I still get paid, though. That's the nice thing. That's the nice thing. Which, of course, you know, it makes a mockery of you stuck down there in Essex having to get up at this time of the morning and maybe not earning any money at all. Please wish my 91-year-old mum a happy birthday. Her name's Nanette. And her dogs wake her up every morning at 4am to listen. No, they don't. Don't be silly. They don't. Dogs wake up because they want feeding. It's like cats do exactly the same thing. Cats wake you up as well. And they always want, you know, um, you know, feeding. You know, for because they're because they're hung- they're always hungry cats. I don't think you ever get a day where a cat isn't hungry. It's feed me fit. And I watch that bloke on the television at the moment, who's called Caesar. Somebody who goes around. I show you the dog. I show you the dog. It's okay, here's the dog, and he, and the dog follow him. And he's I think he's a dog whisperer, and it's very clever because he manages to sort of calm down dogs who are completely out of control because they've got bad owners. That's all it is. It's bad owners, people who don't bother training. You see them. If ever you see somebody walking down the street and the dog is straining at the leash, an untrained dog. That's an owner who's bone idle. Dreadful, really. Dreadful. But there you go. You you get people like that. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. (laughs) Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 4.20. I don't know why I'm so cheerful. There's no reason why I should be this cheerful at this time of the morning. I can't think of any logical reason under God's earth why we should be happy. It's, if it was Friday, I could understand why, why people would be sort of jumping up and down and getting very excited about things. But it's not. It's only Thursday. But I don't care. Every day's a nice day, isn't it? And uh, because we're raising some nice money for Make Some Noise, tomorrow, big day. Big day. I don't know what we've got lined up for you tomorrow. This will be very entertaining, won't it? We'll be finding out later. So uh, that's tomorrow. Today I do have uh, that appeal again. We're going to put you into a prize drawer. If you're a regular listener, you know what it, what it is. And I thank you so much indeed for the, uh, for the generosity that you have uh, extended to the programme over the past uh, three weeks now, actually. Three weeks. Uh, I'll tell you about the pigeon a little bit later on, because I think pigeons get... I mean, I don't like pigeons anyway. The only good pigeon is under a bit of short-crust pastry or in a, a recipe in country life, or filling that under the wheels of the car, uh, which is always very popular. But we have loony, loony tunes, people, who go around feeding pigeons. You don't need to feed pigeons. They're scroungers. They'll eat anything, anything. Producer and I have sat there at bus stops. Well, stood, because there's no seats. Why don't they put seats at bus stops? Why can we not have a bench at the bus stop so you can sit down? I'll tell you what, what takes up our, our bus stop. We have a bus stop by, by the Garrick Theatre at the back here. If you know London and you know this, uh, this road here, which is called uh, Charing Cross Road, you've got the Garrick Theatre. And the one thing that we don't have in London, seats. There's nowhere to sit down. You know, whereas I'd be more than happy. At bus stops, why can't we have seats? You know, at a couple of them, they've got little sort of shelter. Some of them have little things like that. But, you know, most of them do not have seats. And I thought, if we're going to be sitting over the road at the Garrick Theatre, why can't we have a blooming seat there? And, you know, and just, you know, then we could watch the world go by. Standing up is a pain. It really is. It's annoying. And also, if you're not able to stand up... What's that? He's left the biscuits. Oh, God, he's... Does he take the sandwich? Oh, he's taking the sandwich, he left the biscuit, well, probably just as well, actually. The other one's got ham in it, so he should be OK. Um, but I want more seats in London, please. More seats in London, so we can, we can sit down and watch the world go by. I mean, to stand up all the time, it's not just for me, it's for elderly people. 
of which I probably include myself at the moment. I quite like sitting down. I'd probably sit there and let the buses go by. I'm not particularly fussy. But anyway, so we have this bus stop, which holds, I think, within the area they've marked out, two buses, two and a bit buses, something like that. Anyway, when you get the tourist buses, they're a pain in the rear end. They are. Oh, my Godfathers. Every bus stop we seem to go to, the bloody tourist buses. And what they do is, people have bought tickets. The people who are selling the tickets are slightly ropey. And then it takes that they have to then check them when the bus comes in. I suppose it's just the bus arriving in and they go in on board and they show your ticket like we get on and show, show our tickets on our buses. These ones take for ages. In fact, the other day I was waiting for the bus after I'd done my two interviews the other day. And uh, she was taking forever. And then she goes and talks to the bus driver. And I'm thinking, why not just move the bus along, dearie? And then proper people who live and work in London, not tourists. We love you. We really love you. And we know you love your children. And so they're all there as well. But, you know, people who are trying to go about their daily business, you know, the bus, you know, sometimes I've had to stand in the road, put my hand out to, to you know, to stop the bus that we actually get on. It's a pain. It's an absolute pain. It really is. And they're there all the time. And they're hassling you. You want to go ticket around London? No, I don't. Thank you. I'm sorry. I live in London. Can't you spot the difference? Don't you know what tourists look like? I mean, they must do. Mustn't they? Well, I'm assuming they must do. Yes, thank you. Oh, I had that the other day. Thank you, driver. Oh, God, honestly, these people drive me mad. Oh, dear. Divers uh, were exploring a reef and they took a photograph. God knows why. Piece of coral, I suppose. <coughs> and they were spooked. Uh, they got an image of a ghost. It's a load of old cobblers, of course, as you can well imagine. But you know what divers are like? Oh, we were taking a picture of a piece of coral and this picture, this sort of picture. They were doing that, were they, in the last hour? Oh, God. What with Darren? Talk about ghosts. What is it in the early hours of the morning about people going, it's ghosts? Why is it you only ever see them in the dark? Why don't you see them in the light? Because they don't exist. All these mad people who go, oh, I was there. And then, you know, it's, it's, it goes back to the Looney Tunes and the crop circles, doesn't it? All the people who think that happens. And then, and then they go, oh, we were in this house and things started being thrown about. Yeah, you. You were throwing things around. It's like that Yvette, what's her face, Fielding. I mean, honestly, she must be the most haunted woman in Britain. Because everywhere she goes, ooh, what was that noise? What was that? What was that? What was that? It's me dropping the mouse on the table again because I couldn't pick it up with my hand. But that's, it's, it's the same thing. People want to believe in it, don't they? My father swore blind he'd seen a ghost once. I didn't have the heart to say to him, I'm sorry, Dad, I just don't believe you. It's, I think, you know, there are certain things that are unexplainable, but they're not ghosts. There are no such things as ghostly images. There are no such thing, just in case you're wondering, about spirits trapped in this world and we have to release them to go to the other world. That's called lying. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, Sam's coming through now. Oh, I can't believe it. Have you got a message for us, Sam? Yes, try and con people into making more money. Yeah, I'm doing my best for you, Sam. Uh, Sam is my spirit guide. Sam, of course, is another waste of... He's probably on benefits. Sam is obviously on benefits. He's obviously decided to latch on to somebody as barking mad as Derek Agora. Uh, oh, so, oh, Sam coming through again. Oh, Sam. Uh, what is it? What, what was the name we're looking for? OK, we're looking for a name here. We're looking for Mary. Ma- Martin? Nathaniel? Elsie? OK, anybody know anybody who's died recently? Sam will find them. He's in a graveyard at the moment. What have you got for us, Sam? 
Mary. Have you got a surname? No, obviously not. Funny how you managed to get the first name and never the surname, you crooked old so-and-so. It's rubbish, isn't it? But people want to believe in it. Oh, yeah, we, we'll get all sorts of texts now. I'm sorry, Steve, to disagree with you. And the moment somebody writes that, they go into my sin bin. I can't be bothered talking to the terminally stupid people who go, oh, our bus was driven by a driver who wasn't actually there. It's like, you know, we have ghost trains at the fun fair. They're not real. They're not real. They are just people going, ooh. And why ghosts do that? I've never heard a ghost speak. Never heard a ghost speak? Except to Yvette Fielding. Help me. Help me. That's the producer. Get me off this piece of garbage. That's what they do, don't they, on the television programmes. I'm sorry, Yvette Fielding's coming out looking like a bat. They stick her in these black... Honestly, she must be laughing like a drain at the amount of people who fall for this gubbins. It really annoys me. It really does. You know, you, it's like people say, oh, let me read your palm. Oh, well, perhaps you should wash it. And, uh, you know, and then they say, they say, this is your lifeline. This is, right, this is your life. Oh, you're dead. And, uh, and this is the life here. This is your love line. And so they go through your palm and they tell you all the bits and pieces that are right and wrong with it. Oh, very strong love line you've got there. Of course, I'm having sex every minute. God in heaven. That's what Matt Lucas said. He's very careful now about what he says on his interviews. He said, because people just misinterpret he gave an interview to somebody. Oh, by the way, before I forget, you know the Claire Balding thing? Well, they've... Uh, oh, God, they're turning her over. Because apparently she did this interview with a journalist uh, who was writing it, I think, for Saga or something like that. And anyway, after she'd done the interview, and she thought she was OK, they then came back uh, with... Um, Claire thinks there's too much devoted to the gay side. You know, because she's gay. She's in a relationship. She's a lesbian. And that's what they, they concentrated on. And OK, we'll cut a little bit of that out. Can you also put in what a lovely person she is? What? And also plug this. And so they had all these extra bits inserted. So she put down, she put, she's a diva. She started making all these demands on something. But I didn't see it as her making the demands. I saw it as whether or not they'd gone back to the publisher. But I've never heard of that. I don't think that journalists. So this journalist phoned up and said, take my name off it. That's not my article. You start adding things to my article that is not... And so she was quite right. And uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, the, um, the um, uh, TV critic, he had exactly the same experience, where sort of there are certain people who wanted to change things. You know. And we fancy... I mean, I couldn't believe it, really. Because I like Claire Balding. I'm a big fan of Claire Balding, I've always said. But, you know, when do you say, can you put down she's a lovely person? But if somebody's not a lovely person, then you're going to put down they were a pain in the... You know, in the archipelagos. And so that was so it, it wasn't very good at all for her. And I think she's she's tarnished her image because I liked her before. I'm now weary, weary, weary of people who want to change things about, you know, something that somebody's written. If somebody comes out to do an interview with me and they go back and go, actually, I didn't really like him. Well, that's fair enough. That's their opinion. But they, they they're writing the piece. But then to get somebody saying, oh, can we take this bit out? There's, there's too much about the lesbian side of it, you know, which, of course, would be. You know, she makes a big play about that. She talks about that. There's no big problem with it. You know, and I, th- I thought she was a big champion for it. And then um, and then this bit about she's lovely. Well, you know, if you didn't think somebody was lovely, why would you bother putting it in there? So the journalist asked to have it removed. She said, no, I don't want to put my byline on that at all. It's not right. That's called fraud. That's changing an article. And then, and then when it actually did it, then they, they ended up with a piece, a quote from Claire Balding on her book and her heroine and all the rest of it. You think, that's just shameless plugging. So they're, they're actually quite in, in the same way that this poor old Chris bloke from Love Island is exposing Katie Price as an old fraud. 
she's she's targeting him and his girlfriend and saying, I've got 51 of these copied in tweets and all the rest of it. She's being just basically nasty. And, uh, and, and you sort of think to yourself, I've warned people before about her. You've only got to look at her track record. It's not like she's ever been nice. I don't think she's ever been nice. She's insecure. One bloke she went out with, she picked up over in America. That's what she does. She sees somebody and goes, you... And I don't, I don't know why people are interested in her, seriously. I mean, it's not exactly the greatest-looking thing you've ever seen. And also quite quite nasty and not very intelligent. There's not really a lot to talk about with her. She can only talk about herself, as it's been demonstrated on Loose Women. And so she's been writing about Chris. And he's obviously not interested in her. And he's written to her, listen, do not write to me. I'm not interested. You know, just mind your own business. Go away, go and find your own friends to play with. But, of course, she can't because she doesn't want to be told off. She hates that. Until she gets into trouble and she's been taken to court before where she's lost. You know, the one one person you don't tangle with is somebody that she's tangled with because they will take her to court. And she will. In fact, I think she's paid before because she's got something wrong. She had to apologise and scrape the bottom of the barrel to apologise to Peter Andre for for sort of saying or alleging in one of her shows, one of her shows, if you please, that um, he'd uh, he'd been having an affair. And Peter Andre's people went retract it immediately. I never said that. She tries to back out of it, but she's horrible. And what she's done to this poor bloke from Love Island, who's, who's got a lovely girlfriend called Olivia. I mean, I couldn't give a stuff about people on Love Island. But when you get an old bag like Katie Price, who chases after somebody and he's not interested, you've got to knock it on the head quickly. She's not letting it go. She's almost threatened his career, which he sees said, do not threaten mine or my girlfriend's career. That's how nasty she is. Horrible piece of work. Every time I see her on Loose Women, click. Off goes the television. The sooner we get her off the programme, the better. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday, 5th of, Oct- 5th of October. 5th of October. And uh, Lisa says they don't put benches at bus stops to stop homeless people sleeping on them. I'm not kidding. Well, not around here we don't get that. We don't get homeless sleeping on benches. We get them sleeping in doorways with their sleeping bags and their shopping trolleys. And I don't know what shopping they're doing, but uh, loads of things like that. But they're all young. They're, none of them are old. None of these people are old because they, you know, mainly we've got problems. I mean, you see them sitting there in the early hours of the morning with bottles drinking. I was talking to one of our um, fellow presenters the other day, a lady. I should call her a lady because she is a lady. Well, she's a woman. And, uh, and she was saying about the amount of drunks and uh, drug addicts around here, just down the bo- just on the Charing Cross Road. And she feels intimidated, as indeed you would do, because these people hassle people. You know, and then you get other people going, oh, you know, you don't understand their problems. You go, I know what a druggie is, thank you very much indeed. I know what hassling people means because I've seen it and I know what drunks are like because I've seen them down there hassling people for money. Got any money? No, of course I haven't got any money. Go and get a job. Do something. Get yourself sorted out. It's, you know, people just can't sort themselves out now, can they? They have to leave it up to other people. So other pe- I saw somebody the other day, we were standing by the bus stop and some bloke comes and puts some food down, a bloke who's asleep in a sleeping bag. I thought, why doesn't the bloke in the sleeping bag go and get a job like other people? You can go and get a job washing up in kitchens. You can do something. You're not totally inept. Do something. But that's why. So Lisa reckons it's because people sleep on benches. Well, not if they've got benches divided. We've got them at Twickenham Station. It's a divided bench, so it's divided into three. So you couldn't sleep on it. It's not physically possible. And you could do that here, couldn't you? You could sort of divide it into three or four or something like that. It's just nice to have somewhere to sit down. You're supposed to leaning up against something. Uh, Maggie says, we used to have benches, but due to vandalism, they've been discontinued. Why do people vandalise? It's like people who write their monikers. 
I want to take the people who write their monikers, you know, the people who spray graffiti. Coming into Twickenham Station, it's a nightmare on the right-hand side. There's a wall there. They keep spraying it, and then it gets covered up by these tow rags who insist, I want to go round to their house and spray paint their entire house and them. <laughs> at the same time. There is an Animal World War I memorial on Park Lane. Yeah, I've seen that one, Brian. I've seen that one. Uh, but there was another one as well, which was where the Mandarin Oriental now is. Tony's in Houston, Texas. He says, you're cooking on gas today. <laughs> like you, I revel in other people's misfortune. Yeah, absolutely. I've always derived great pleasure. I watched the Jeremy Kyle. You probably don't get the Jeremy Kyle show, but you've probably got something similar where they dig up some pond life who've all slept around and slept with the next door neighbour and had kids out of wedlock or done drugs or thieved from their dead mother or something. There's always something. They're always the most awful people. And then the other day, they're all this. This woman was screaming and shouting at this at this woman. What do you know about it? You so and so. And it, the language is just abs- and you can imagine this is what they're like on television. When they're exposed to the world as, you know, fraudsters and everything else. Imagine what they're like in real life. Imagine living next door to them. Dreadful. Uh, Mike says, that's my point. This uh, so-called comedian had nothing more than paper. If he had a knife or a gun, he wouldn't have got in, presumably. Well, that's what we're hoping. Sorry? He, 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 he could have hit her, though. He could have actually gone up to her. She actually could have leant forward and he could have gone <laughs> like that. You know, it's quite easy to do that. Ridiculous. Uh, John Maloney. Oh, my friend Jim Diamond's back. Uh, John Maloney. John Maloney. Where's, where's he gone to? Where have you gone to? Where have you? Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. I have to find these people. Sometimes John Maloney pops up on something else, uh, as opposed to sort of popping up on my... Come on, phone. Wake up, for God's sake. Sometimes you have to kick the phone, don't you? Go, perhaps it could be a little bit better. And um, somebody here. A lot of people talking about the, the security breach, which is very interesting. Um, oh, John Maloney says, hi, Steve. Lovely first night in Tallinn. Can't wait to hear the real Matt Lucas interview. It's a really good interview. But it, that one question threw him when I said, did you ever fancy David Walliams, who used to be David Williams, but then changed it to David, uh, David Walliams. Um, uh, in Victoria last Friday uh, evening, a homeless man asked me for some spare change. I said, sorry, no. Three minutes later, spotted him in the bookies having a flutter. You see, all these. You see, now the trouble is, I'll read that out, unnamed person, and it, it's a case of somebody who go, yeah, but a lot of these people have emotional issues, and you go, well, they might have, but unfortunately, we, people, I think, give money to people thinking that's going to get you some food. If you buy them food, they don't want food; they want money. So they go and buy booze or go and buy drugs or something like that. But they're all young; they're not old people. If they were elderly people, I could understand it, but they're not. I, I told you, I remember years and years ago. Years ago, I mean, probably about six or seven years ago, anonymous person, uh, there was a woman walking up and down here in the Charing Cross Road, and she was elderly. Well, she looked elderly. She might not have been as old as she may be uh, portrayed. And she was pushing a shopping trolley. Uh, Wrapped around her feet were newspapers, done up with string. She didn't have shoes. Newspapers. She stank to high heaven, and so I offered her some money. And I think at the time it was a fiver, and I got a torrent of abuse. She was one of those people. She didn't want money. Nowadays, that's all they want. That's all they want is money. You try and get... I'll, I'll get you some food. I'll get you some hot food. I don't want any hot food. I've just had hot food. Give me some money. I want money. What do you need that for? Feed, feed my dog. I'll go and get you some dog food. No, I'll get the dog food. You know, that kind of thing. It's people who sit there. Waterloo Bridge, first thing in the morning. It's hilarious. There's always one or two people sitting there staring at the pavement. 
that it, as if they've lost their voices. It really, really annoys me. You know, because they don't make any effort to help themselves. But to see somebody in a, you know, I mean, we have it round our way. We have a girl who sits sometimes outside Marks and Spencer's Kentucky Fried Chicken. She's probably about 20, 22. Her pimp sits over the road watching to make sure she's getting money. And every so often he goes over and takes money off her that people have, have generously given to her. People who are, you know, a bit doolally. And they just hand money out to these people. You're not solving the problem. You're really not solving the problem. And it is a big problem. It's annoying, really. It's annoying that you sort of think, you know, you could do a job. You could do something. Dean says it's windy in Blackpool. Glad I'm not out in it. I, I bet it's windy up there. It comes in off the North Sea, doesn't it? I think up in Black. I've been to Blackpool, as we all remember. Uh, Lewis in Watford says a small scythe is called a sickle. Thank you. And Mike says, I found it very strange. The BBC kept referring to this bloke as a prankster. Unnamed. He had two seasons with a show on BBC. Yeah, I remember watching it. But the BBC well, we can't, can't actually admit that we used to employ him. Good heavens above. That makes us look stupid, doesn't it? You know, but it was. It was Lee... What was it? Lee Lee Nelson's Well Good Show. First time I saw it, I thought, this is a part of old poo, isn't it, really? And it, it, well, it, well good it wasn't. It was just some bloke pretending to be like, you know, wiki, 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 doing all that kind of stuff. It was a pile of garbage. It really was dreadful. But uh, the BBC should acknowledge... Perhaps they didn't know it was him. Perhaps they were a bit simple in the newsroom. Perhaps they got no idea. You sometimes go past a newsroom and wonder what in God's name they all do. The answer is they don't do very much. Uh, somebody else says, uh, I once gate-crashed the filming of Britain's Most Haunted Hotels on Channel 5. It goes back years, probably around 2004-05, when my partner and I booked into the Dudley Hotel, a really ancient and historic hotel in the Black Country, and it was late. Don't know why I'm talking. It's because you've said the word Dudley. I'm so sorry. It's dreadful. And there was hardly anybody around. We had a we had a room right up with the attic, and they had the old rickety elevators, the ones with the sliding metal gate doors. Walked in the middle of the TV crew. We were apparently waiting for spiritual happenings. They got us instead with our wheelie suitcases. Two camp young gay boys staggering to the hotel room. We'd been drinking. They weren't happy. You could have gone like that. We are the ghost of the suitcases. Why is it you never get camp ghosts? Well, apart from when you two walk to the room, but why is it you don't get camp ghosts? They're all sort of, they're either headless, their head's under their arm, or it's some woman who drifts through walls. My auntie Enid was a bit like that, except the wall kind of stopped her on many an occasion. You know, you always get those sort of things, isn't it? It's sort of, and they go, well, why why are they here? Trapped ghosts. I mean, the, the drunken state meant that you truly did make it to the world of spirits. I'll have a large one, please. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Thank you, Zach, very much indeed. Not any more talk of gay ghosts. Do you imagine gay ghosts? Why not, though? Why not, for goodness sake? There must be as many gay ghosts. There. I think people think that in Elizabethan times, you know, in Henry VIII's time, they didn't have gay people. Have you seen what they were all wearing? Well, I'm going to put on my doublet and hose, and I'm going to mince up and down Hampton Court Palace. Hello? Hampton Court Palace must have been a veritable fairyland. I mean, it really must have been. Henry VIII gets there and goes, OK, I better assert my manhood. Um, OK, I'm going to marry you. <laughs> come here. come here. Stay away from the gay boys. There's loads of them in this place. You know, never manage. A bit like Vatican City, isn't it? I mean, people sweeping up. They've never mentioned that Vatican City could be haunted. Yet they've had more people die there and buried there than just about anywhere else in Rome. So, you know, they would have thought something like that. You never get Roman centurions. There's always some balmy person from the Victorian era who wanders through a wall. Where are all the... Where are the cavemen? Where have they come from? Because when we get to heaven, God willing, some of you might make it, but probably not all of you. 
the people who booked Monarch on a, on a debit card won't be going there. And uh, mind you, neither will anybody who runs Monarch. And you get up to heaven, well, you have to fight your way to get on a cloud. Excuse me, Genghis, off! I saw the cloud first. You know, I want to be on a cloud with Henry VIII. Really, a little short, fat, ugly man. Oh, sorry, Kim Jong, I do beg your pardon. I thought you were Henry VIII. You know, and then we could find all the wives sitting up there going, you never liked me. I was doomed to start with. They just made up stories. I did contact the local press at the time, but they weren't interested. Some poor woman who was executed at the Tower of London, might have been Lady Jane Grey, uh, her, the man she's alleged to have had an affair... Oh, I don't know if say alleged. They said that she'd had an affair with this bloke. I think it was Thomas Culpepper. And uh, they executed him outside the Tower of London, so you could have a bit of a knees up at the same time. Roasted peanuts! Beheadings very shortly. You could make a joke about it, couldn't you? Sorry, are you the People's Front of Judea? <laughs> We're the Judean People's Front. What are you talking about? And um, and so they executed him. Then they brought him back in on a cart inside the Tower of London. She was watching from an upstairs room before she was led out to her execution. And I think she was only young. I'm sure she was only 16, 17. And uh, unlike today, where they sort of still do executions in certain parts of the world, public executions, you're expected to go there... And sort of witness these things. Why? I've got no idea. I seriously can't understand it. What a bloodthirsty nation we must have been. And what an odd topic to talk about. It's only because we were talking about Most Haunted and talking about the fact that it's only certain people. You never get, you know, anybody from pre-Elizabeth Regency period or anything like that, do you? You just always get some woman with her head tucked under her arm or Walter Raleigh or something. It's, co- it's codswallop. It really is absolute codswallop. And the people who believe in it, you see them on the television. I, I, yeah, I, was, I was watching. I was very young at the time. I said, you know, why has Buckingham Palace not got loads of people wandering through all the corridors? I should imagine. I've often wondered, wondered, and wondered too. If you go and sit, because I wandered lonely as a cloud, uh, if, you, if you went and sat in a graveyard at night, would you, if you didn't have any drink, would there be spirits, right, because I've seen Thriller... And I wonder whether or not you would see spirits rising out of graves and go, ooh, they all do that, because they can't speak. Ooh, sorry, you've lost, the, uh, lost my voice. Ooh, like that. Would you see that in a graveyard? Would there be lots of people coming out and all meeting up and stuff like that? Because when I saw the film Ghost, I never saw the stage play. I saw, I saw the film, and uh, I thought, get off my train! And I quite fancied that idea. The idea of being invisible. God, you'd have a field day! You'd have a field day. I'd be in the in the food hall at Harrods. I'd be tempting to pick up mangoes and not pick... Because he, he tries to flick a bottle top, doesn't he? And he can't do it. His finger goes right through it. Alan in Lincolnshire says he'll only believe in ghosts when he sees a dinosaur ghost. That bloke in, uh, in Jurassic Park, when he was sitting on the toilet, he saw a ghost, didn't he? He was just sitting on the toilet and then... The th- and the, and the, ah! That frightened me. I don't get frightened by films very often, actually. Mary Poppins was fairly scary when she kind of flew away. I mean, she was odd. An umbrella that talks. Hello, excuse me, drugs? What are we talking about here? An umbrella that talks. Oh, Mary Poppins, they don't appreciate... Shut up, she says. She was quite violent, you know, quite violent. But uh, we never see ghosts. You're not going to see a dinosaur ghost. You're not going to see a a pterodactyl ghost. You're not going to see anything like that at all. Whereas I, I want, I, mean, I don't really, you know, I've often said, if there are such things as little green men, why green, I've got no idea, from outer space, willingly land in Trafalgar Square, pop round the corner, we're, we're here, we're open 24 hours, we're at Monday through, through Saturday, and you can pop in, I'll give you a full interview on the programme. Any ghosts who were in this building before this building was here, in the houses, you want to come back? You free, nothing will happen, I promise you. I, hello? What's your name? You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
Morning, everybody. Seven minutes to five. Apparently, I got it wrong. Got something wrong. Apparently, it's the Irish Sea, not the North Sea. Who cares? It's water. Does it really matter? Who owns it? Who's got the mineral... Who cares? Grow up and get a life, for goodness sake. Uh, Dean says, we have benches at our bus stops in Blackpool. Well, you have to. You've got to throw them in front of the trams to stop the trams, haven't you? But what... I, what we seem to have a lack of seats in London. Why do we have a lack of seats? Why can't we have seats everywhere? You know, because people want to sit down. That's a good thing. I mean, admittedly, you don't want to sit next to some smelly old tramp. Uh, Chris in, um, in, uh, in, in, in Yorkshire says, How come ghosts can knock on doors to make us aware of their presence, yet when they walk through a wall, they don't make a sound? I know. That's why it's hogwash, isn't it? It's just a load of old rubbish. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those very, very strange things that you just never know the answer to. It's like when, it, when you saw the film Ghost, how come... He, he could walk through a wall and yet he couldn't, you know, he was pushing a penny up a wall or something. And the music, tell, tell Molly, it's, an, oh, shut up, for goodness sake. And then he was helping her with the, with, the, with the potter's wheel. Well, how did that work? You know, ridiculous. How come he was able to walk downstairs onto the underground without falling straight through them into the middle of the earth? I've lived next door, said Richard, to cemeteries all my life. Oh, come on, Richard, admit it. You're in the ground now, aren't you? You were calling us from the other side. He said, I've never seen one ghost over my garden wall. Nothing. And I'm, there's a cemetery there. Nothing at all. It doesn't exist. Whereas in theory, if you believe all the old hoodwinkers on the television, it never works on the radio, does it? Oh, I've just seen a ghost. It doesn't work. I, I could sit here till I was blue in the face doing it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't convince any of you. But, you know, you'd think you're filming in cemeteries. You would see ghostly spectral figures floating through the... But you don't because it doesn't exist. There's no such thing. I don't know when it ever existed. Is it just a good story or something when people talk about that? It's like, you know, people talk about Bram Stoker and Dracula and stuff like that and sort of people who sort of eat the side of your throat, you know, and then they sort of open their mouth and they've got sort of fangs in there. What a load of old rubbish is that? It's tat, isn't it, really? But mind you, Transylvania has made a living out of people going around there to visit Dracula's castle. You know, it's, it's equally as unexciting when they go, oh, very shortly... You could be travelling up to the moon or to Saturn or to Mars or something like that. Unfortunately, you're going to be in the company of Beatrice, aren't you? <gasps> God, the world's most boring person. Uh, Catherine Howard, who was the fifth wife, says, Julia, who had the affair with Thomas Culpepper. Everybody slept with Thomas Culpepper. Everybody slept with him. He was the easiest person to sleep with in those times. That's such a good name, isn't it? Culpepper. Thomas Culpepper. Well, it's a good name. What if there, there might be actually? I could probably go through a telephone directory, sorry, and uh, and find somebody called ow, Thomas Culpepper. That'll be quite good. Uh, why do women gossip? I'll tell you later on the program. Tell you later. Women love to gossip. It's not just women. Blokes gossip. Why do they think blokes don't gossip? Of course they gossip. Blokes do it all the time. Yeah, spend five minutes on this program. You'll find out how many blokes gossip. God, I get loads of people writing to me. Men, women, young people, people who believe in ghosts, people on benefit. I get everybody. I don't. I couldn't care less about people. It makes no difference to me whether you're on benefits, whether you're working, whether you're chain-smoking, whether you're drinking. There was a woman the other day who came on and spoke to Darren. Oh, I've had a couple of drinks. I thought, you don't need to tell us. We can hear it. You know, I've had a couple of drinks. And this is like three o'clock in the morning. Who drinks at three in the morning? Not me. What do I really fancy now? Fried fried bread with beans on the top and uh, and um, bacon, I think. 
but I definitely don't fancy any Prosecco at the moment. My, my, my drink spill has gone down phenomenally. Absolutely phenomenally. I don't think I've ever saved so much money. There's loads of things I'm not buying at the moment. Loads of things I'm not buying. And one of them is Prosecco. You know, I, I could get through quite a bit of money. Uh, so we've got all these job titles at the BBC where nobody knows what the hell they are. Would you like to apply for it? What is it? Oh, head of something. And they, they come up with something you've never heard of, so I'll read you out some of them. If you can guess what they are, there'll probably be a prize at the end of the day. Uh, I like the story of the lady who bought a ticket for the, uh, for the lottery. She won. She was, uh, she was um, in remission from cancer. She's been cleared of cancer, and she won- wins a million pounds. That's nice, isn't it? I always think that must be direct intervention. Um, The page three kidnapped girl, this is Chloe Ayling. I don't trust her. I don't believe her. I couldn't care less. Luckily, I'm entitled to an opinion. You don't have to believe anything that anybody says to you. And I don't believe her. I don't know why. I just don't. I read Private Eye and that kind of of sort of emphasised the fact that nobody else seems to believe her. The titty ditty, not so witty. I have to read that to you because it's funny. It's only it's only funny because ladies everywhere will appreciate this and uh, and how the woman who was at the centre of the titty ditty got her own back on the bloke who wrote it and that's and that's why it's interesting. In fact, actually, can I? No, I can't do it before the news, but I I, I will do it just afterwards. And why Davina McCall is still divine at fifty? And the answer is she is because she works at it. She's not one of these Z-list celebrities who goes out there and produces some sort of tatty old DVD for Christmas to make some money so that, you know, everybody who's overindulged over Christmas goes, oh, I can be as thin as Lucy Mecklenburg, who's never been fat in her life. All these people are permanently thin. And so you go out and buy them. Davina does this all the time. Doesn't just do it for Christmas to make money. She knows what, what she's talking about. That's why I've always said to you, don't ever buy any of these third-rate celebs. They'll all be bringing them out now. Very shortly... You'll be seeing fat celebrities in parks with a crop top on, with their gut hanging over the top of their knickers. And they'll have a photographer there and they'll go, oh, look, so-and-so spotted out in the park. You know they're making a DVD. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Sorry? What? Celebrities very kind. Very... I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. There was a picture the other day. They were complaining in uh, Towie that only certain people got sent over to Ireland. We're obviously hoping to clear the country out because we sent uh, Fat Girl Fat, old Collins. We sent Arge... Those two together, a bit of a toxic mix, because she slept with him a few times. Mind you, he's, he's not really that, that fussy at all. And uh, they sent them over there and a few other people. Very worrying, isn't it? So other people who go, why weren't we sent over there? Only in an Essex accent. Uh, Foxy Megan is the face that we want. Pigeon, who's the war hero, which is nice. Security at the Conservative Party conference, even worse than we imagined. You know, he didn't have a weapon. He just had a P45. They called him a comedian. Funny that, you think the BBC would know exactly who he was and they'd have named him, but they appeared not to. Like they almost airbrushed him from history. Yet he had uh, two series on the BBC. Unfunny, though, that they, uh, they were, but some people will laugh at anything, won't they? And uh, he, he could have hit her. He could have dragged her off the podium. He could have done anything. He didn't. But uh, if it was that easy to get accreditation, somebody's an idiot, aren't they? 60 mile an hour wins. Watch out for them. And Michael Bublé decides not to host the 2018 Brits. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Thursday, 5th of October. It's kind of weather you see ghosts, actually. Somebody's pointed out, Steve, the reason you don't see ghosts is because they wouldn't be seen dead wearing grey. Yes, exactly. It would be bright colours, wouldn't it? Reds and greens and yellows and things like that. And they'd be looking happy. Most ghosts look very miserable. It's when you get the American ones are even more fraudulent than the ones we've got over here. There they have ghosts talking. Save me. 
Seriously, I mean, the Americans will buy into any old drivel, won't they? Well, they bought into Trump, so I see no reason why they shouldn't buy into ghosts. Uh, Mr Barrymore, Michael Barrymore, in line for two and a half million quid payout. The judge has slammed the force. They don't have the right to appeal now. They're just deciding on how much. They, they thought they could get away with just sort of paying them a nominal sum. You know, give you a bit of money, shut up and go away. But uh, no, no, they're holding out for a lot of money. They basically destroyed his career. They destroyed his career. You just can't go around saying these sort of things. He doesn't know what happened on that night. Um, and I don't know who else can remember. It's like the the night of the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. There are certain things which you can't explain, can you? I know that everybody's got their own theory about what happened, but, you know, and, unless you were actually there, you can't do it. Uh, also, the key to success, it's tea breaks. Tea breaks now. You've got to have tea breaks. And they're rumbling on with that story that we did on the programme the other day, which I thought was quite, quite interesting, about the upper classes uh, who have affairs with everybody else. It's considered quite normal to pass around you know, some some person who's sort of up for it, and, and they don't think anything about it. So you had Andrew Parker Bowles, who, according to the papers the other day, I mean, I couldn't believe it either. I was as shocked as everybody else. So he has an affair with Princess Anne. I know, I, where did that one come from? And then it turns out that Camilla Parker Bowles, who was married to Andrew, then has an affair with Princess Anne's brother, Prince Charles. And so it goes on. But then, as I say, if you watch the film Gosford Park and you learnt anything about British history, the upper classes were always bedding the lower classes. Or in this case, it was the upper classes bedding the upper classes. Lots of menage a trois. I mean, they did it all the time. The Bloomsbury set were hopping in and out of beds all over the place down in, uh, in Bedford Square and things like that. It just goes on all the time. People don't think anything about it. It's only the rest of us go, are you sure? That would be quite normal, would it? Yeah, absolutely quite normal. That's where, you know, all these rumours start about whose who's kid is whose kid and whose kid isn't somebody's kid. Uh, also, the inmate in prison. That's why he's an inmate. Um, he's just won a payout because the um, prison guards opened his letters. He's just won £74,000. So he's written a pamphlet on how f- uh, other prisoners can sue and what you should be doing. It's amazing, actually. There's, a, there's another prisoner claiming he's been badly treated in, inside prison. He's in, he's in for murder. He's in for murder, and uh, and he, he's, he's looking for a payout. It infringed his human rights. I mean, I know, you're probably thinking the same as I am. What, what do we bother with prisons for? Can't, can't we just bring back the death penalty and get rid of these people? If, I mean, it's, but, but then the courts say, we should have this money. Go to prison now. It's like a holiday camp. Makes Heidi High seem like a serious drama. You go in there, you can get any sort of drugs that you want. If they can find them for the Jeremy Kyle show and all the people who go on there, you can certainly find them in prison. They've had people there with all their cereals lined up, all their different drugs, their cigarettes, whatever you want. It's like a holiday camp. You know, gone are the days of it being like sort of something dreadful. It it makes, you know, Norman Stanley Fletcher look as though, you know, he really was starting something where they all had a bit of a laugh inside. Because it's not... And then you sue. Some of them go and sit on the roof and start hurling tiles off, don't they? We've seen that before. Prison riots. And you think, oh, what's the matter with you, dear? Well, I don't like the way I'm treated. I'm sorry, you're in for murder. What do you mean you don't like the way you're treated? You're very lucky we haven't let you loose inside here. You know, paedophiles at one time inside prison used to get attacked and beaten up and killed inside prison because prisoners meted out their own justice. Now you're dealing with all sorts of strange people. The fact to build mosques inside a couple of prisons, there's so many... so many Muslims in there who want to go to prayers, but they're but they're crooked. Over in... Is it Rochdale? They've got another load of people up on sex charges. Another load of people. I think there's 12 people up on sex charges against young girls. 
Can't believe it, can you? You really can't believe it. Daily Mail today, the nitwit prankster. Why are they sort of saying nit? We know who he is. It's that idiot called, you know, Lee, what's it? The Simon Brodkin is his real name. He's just a bit dull and boring. He doesn't have a TV show at the moment, I don't think so. And last time he had one, it was very unlucky. Uh, because, I mean, the only people who think found it funny were the people watching it. Wretched freakish luck, they say, but the old girl made it to the other end because then she lost her voice. And then the sign fell down at the back. They started losing letter. I mean, it was it was almost like it was divine intervention. She was struggling to get through the thing. Strugg- she must have been praying for the end of that speech. Should we hear a little bit of a... I, know, I don't like to do this. It's not my kind of thing. I don't, I don't sort of pick on people when they're down, but uh, this one is worth playing to you again. Ten years after Northern Rock... <coughs> Our economy is back on track. The deficit is back to pre-crisis levels. It sounds as if my voice isn't on track. <coughs> <coughs> Should have used chloroseptic. You'd think, actually, I mean, somebody has to give her a lozenge. You'd have thought before she went on there, they could have given her a tyrosette or, you know, gargled with some, you know, some manuka honey or something like that. But if you've got a long speech and your voice is going, it's a nightmare. I told the story. Philip, Harren gave, Philip, Philip Hammond gave her a lozenge. I wouldn't have touched it. What do they say? Do not accept things from strangers. And there's none stranger than Mr Hammond. Years ago, I, I did a, uh, a dummy programme, a pilot programme, for a game show on the television. It wasn't for me. They just wanted me to present it to show somebody else. And if you've heard this story before, put your fingers in your ears. Because I did it in a studio in London, and we rehearsed the show... And it was for Terry Wogan. They were looking for a show for Terry Wogan. So Terry and his team came in to watch me presenting this show. And it was a a kind of a mime show with celebrities dressing up. So they brought in celebrities and I was presenting it. And the night before, my voice went. It's only ever happened once in my life. And this was the time. And it went to a squeak. It, It completely went. There was no way. So I phoned them up and I said to the producer, I said, uh, hello. They went, yeah. It was it was like that. And I'm supposed to be doing this in a studio for Terry Wogan and all the team. Anyway, and they went, well, the studio's booked. All the celebrities are booked in. We can't not do it. So we did it with me barely able to speak. I don't know what it is, whether it was a nervous reaction or, or what it is. So I know exactly where Theresa May was coming from. If you lose your voice and you can feel it going, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you've heard people probably on LB. Well, me. You've heard, because I've lost my voice before. I try not to do it now, because it's, it is the most awful thing that can ever happen to you. Because all of a sudden, you've got no control over it. It just does it by itself. So she's suffering, losing her voice. And at the same time, she then gets this buffoon coming up called Simon Brodkin, who sort of hands her a P45, which is from Boris. So he sort of he, he played the whole thing out. And as I say, he's just a bit of a pain in the rear end. You just wish he'd disappear and go away somewhere else. Go and do something that's sort of vaguely funny somewhere else. I don't know why you would find that funny. That, uh, as I say, he was he was taken off in handcuffs. He won't be charged. What's he going to be charged with? What can you charge him with? They gave him accreditation to their blooming conference. That's their problem. Whoever did the accreditation should have checked on it. And then he walks in late. Somebody, some, I know he's in disguise, but somebody somewhere could have gone... I know who that is. That's Simon Brodkin. Get him out. Get him out the hall quickly, straight away. But he was able to wander through. It was uh, really bad news. Really bad news. So uh, she suffered. And that's what makes the pages of the papers today. You know, suffering while he hands over a silly piece of paper with P45 written on it. You know, like, perhaps he sits, Perhaps he has a drink. I don't know. But it, it just wasn't, wasn't funny at all. 
Uh, Ron says it's still going on. The upper classes bedding all of each other. See in every episode of Made in Chelsea. I know. Somebody says the upper classes, Steve, are just as chavvy as the lower classes. Oh, they're worse. They're just doing it with, with sort of posh. All the posh totty in Made in Chelsea. They're as they're as downbeat as all the ones in in um, in Made in Essex. The only way is Essex. Exactly the same people. They just do it. You know, sound of kind of okay, yeah. Okay, uh, did did you bed Cynthia? Yeah, I so did. You know, and that's all they're doing. Look at some of the people in there. My God, there's some tramps in Chelsea. I didn't realise. So bad. Great show as always, Steve, from Dracula to Pennsylvania. Dracula in Pennsylvania. But it is true, though, isn't it, that people want to believe in something. People obviously aren't happy with the way things are going in their lives, so they, they, they want to clutch on to, you know, pigeons or whatever else it is. It's a, there's a house around my way where the, the owner feeds pigeons, so her roof is covered in pigeons. And the next-door neighbours must be absolutely willing her to die so that the pigeons disappear. Because the pigeons just sit, they just wait for food. They can't even be bothered to look for it nowadays. But they've always managed to survive without all these mad people going around there. I love the, uh, the gang in Paraguay. They spend four months digging a tunnel. Quite a big tunnel. Quite a big tunnel. And they're, they're going to the bank, which is, uh, you know, not too far away. So four months digging the tunnel. They shore it all up. They just about get within inches of the money and they get nicked. They get nicked. You feel a bit sorry for them. They're all face down on the floor, spread-eagled, handcuffed, manacled, all the rest of it. They spent four months. It's like, you know, when they built the tunnel, you know, the one under the Trojan horse, where they had the Trojan horse and they were doing it from one of the uh, the prison camps, Stalagluft, whatever it happened to be. And um, years later, they found the tunnels again, which took them just outside the wire, just outside the wire. And on the tunnels, they had a little rail track where they lay on a board and they could pull it through the other end so that you could lie flat and go there. It wasn't half as big as this tunnel they dug in Paraguay. But uh, some of them managed to get out. A lot of them were, were caught, but in this particular case, they were all caught. <laughs> all caught. And so there was a lovely picture in one of the papers today. It is the, the tunnellers who were nearly there, but, but not quite. Not quite. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. Nice picture of uh, Katy Perry. She's put glasses on, changed her hair colour. She looks completely different, actually. Completely different. And uh, I quite like the look. Quite like. Uh, Theresa May, uh, the PM speech upstaged and not by Boris. So what he does, he goes to Boris first to kind of emphasise the fact he's with Boris. Then he goes up to her to give her something, and that's when she kind of falls for it. Uh, the page three kidnap girl. I don't think she's ever been on page three, this Chloe Ailing. I think she's just a bit desperate. She says, I'm right to cash in. Piers Morgan quite clearly didn't believe a word she was saying. <laughs> she's defiant over her ordeal. Well, she's got to mug it through now, hasn't she? If it, if it is fake, if it is a setup, then uh, she's got to go through. She's not going to sit there and go, uh, yeah, I made it all up. She's absolutely not going to do that. It's like children who lie. Did you touch that? I didn't touch it. Did you touch? Did you eat your brother's Marmite sandwich? I didn't. Well, who did? I don't know. Did you eat that Marmite? No, I didn't. Do you swear? I, I, I didn't eat it. I think she's like that. She now says she was brainwashed. She still keeps coming up with a word every so often. She's got a book to flog. Who's going to buy it? I've got no idea. I can't believe it. There's something about her that you just look at body language, you look at everything. She's a bit too well-versed in this. There's something about it that just doesn't ring true to me. She might be telling the truth. But in my gut, I'm looking at her going, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. And now she's come up with, with the brainwashing thing. As I say, I think Piers Morgan doesn't believe it either, together with uh, seemingly the rest of the country. Let any private eye believe it. 
That'll be interesting to see what they actually come up with after her latest little escapade. Why they put her back on the television, I've got no idea. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. God, it's cold. Do you know what? For some reason, I woke up this morning and my hands are a bit cold. And uh, I generally do get cold hands. I'll tell you why I do get cold. I get cold feet. And so I thought, and I discovered the other day, because somebody very kindly last year sent me in a hot water bottle. It's not that I'm incapable of buying a hot water bottle. And so I had a hot water bottle. And I thought that was really quite nice. So you'd fill it up, take it to bed with you, and then you roll. And luckily, by the time I get up in the morning, there's still a bit of warmth left in it. And you move it, because once my feet have warmed up, then I'm, I'm fine. It's, it's the circulation, I think. Uh, not a lot of payouts. Remember I told you the other day, I had five notifications from the National Lottery. What was the average on each one? £2.60 or something. So it's 60 pence profit on each one or whatever. It was just rubbish. And um, as I say, whatever happened to sort of, you know, 300,000 or... I oh, know, thank you. Hooray! I was watching Bradley Walsh doing The Chase the other day. And uh, he was, it was so interesting. He, he takes the mickey out of the, uh, uh, the, the so-called experts on the programme. Mind you, there was one woman on there. She didn't seem to know anything. But the questions were phenomenally difficult. I mean, they really were. They were the kind of questions. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Sometimes when they have a celebrity version, the questions are so easy. It's almost an embarrassment. Because it's like on the, uh, um, the uh, celebrity uh, thing. What do they call it? I'm a celebrity. Yeah, who wants to be a millionaire? I don't know why I always think it's good. They have a celebrity version where you have to work out who the, who the celebrities are. And that's the, you know, then they offer you to phone a friend and they, they don't know either. And so you watch this on there and they're so simple, the questions. It's like, you know, even on Mastermind, where they have the celebrity version on, they have really simple questions for the dimbos. Because they, they don't want anybody to look too, too sort of bad on it. But now people are complaining about the, the payouts. And I think Friday we're up to the maximum which I think it's, it will roll over to about a, £168 million. Pounds. What happens if nobody wins it? It goes, it goes on for five more after £168 million. So Another four. So it could, it could be over, well, well over £200 million. Wow. Oh, it stays the same. So wait a minute. So it's £168 million this week. You're saying next week it'll be £168 million. Where does all the extra money go then? Oh, this is a fiddle, isn't it? It really is a fiddle here. So nobody's scooped it. This is since September the 9th. Uh, the million-pound lotto hot-pick draw was last bagged on July the 29th. It's just a fiddle now, isn't it? It's really not right. It's not right. City bankers will blow thousands on Euro Millions tickets. Uh, a Camelot spokesman said the National Lottery has awarded 30 prizes worth a million or more during September. Oh, big deal. Oh, I'm sure that's going to change everybody's life, isn't it? Not. So they're going to keep it 168 million, but they're raking in even more. Oh, that's more money for good causes. Who gives us stuff about the good causes? Nobody, nobody listening at the moment goes, oh, it's going to good cause. You don't think that, do you? You think 168 million. I want to win that. 168 million. Go on, I tell you. I could give some money to make some noise. I could buy myself. I've seen the house. I want the house. I don't want somebody else to buy it. I'm so worried that somebody else might buy this house before I've won the money. Can you imagine? Saturday's lotto jackpot, 18.3 million. Saturday's lotto jackpot. That's an oh right, 18.3 million. Good God. I mean, years ago, that would be, you know, a couple of rollovers, that'd be 18 million. Now, this is God knows how many rollovers. That's how impossible it is to win. That's how few of you are paying the lottery now. Why can't they just give it to me? I bought a ticket since God created heaven and earth. What's the matter with them? Just give me the money, I'll, I'll distribute it. In the best way that I see fit, which will be to to help out charities and little charities and things like that. Go, oh, you can make so many so many people 
happy. Steve, get an electric over blanket. No, no. I used to have that when I was younger. I'm not, I'm, I don't need an electric over blanket. I'm not bothered by that. Uh, or an under blanket. They never cover the whole bed, do they? Have you noticed? Electric blankets only cover a bit of the beds. But so you get the middle bit warm, so your bum's warm. And that's it, unless you turn over. And uh, make out your own jokes. And, uh, and the rest of it. So your feet and your head are cold. But I generally pull the duvet right under my chin. I'm really, I'm really good. I'm telling you my bedtime habits. I mean, goodness sake. We were discovering the other day that one of the, the assistant producer, how messy he is in his bedroom. He just leaves things strewn over the floor. He didn't even make the bed when he went out. He just sort of left it. As opposed to turning it back and doing it. In it. No, he just left it. Dreadful. Young people nowadays. Uh, the boss is laughing at the Home Office penalties. I'll tell you that because that's in the mirror from Penman's column. People who have been fined for employing illegals. They haven't paid a penny piece. You know, I think, frankly, the, the, these people should be arrested. They take them into custody. We had a bloke the other day. Was it in Australia? It was in Australia where they're very lax. I'm sorry, would you like to come in because we think you've blown over the limit? No. Oh, OK. <laughs> Let's kind of leave them. It's all, it's all a bit bizarre. But they had a bloke who owned um, a video shop. And his staff were running a duplicating service. They were duplicating everything. Every film under the sand. Boxes and boxes and boxes. They had about 30 or 40 DVD machines, which were all copying this uh, this one thing. He was as crooked as they come. He got fined a few few thousand dollars and they confiscated everything. And they, uh, they, t- they had bundles of money in the shop. And the people in the shop do exactly the same. No, no idea. They had a very good uh, can't pay, we're going to take it away the other day, where some bloke, he'd, he'd rented a house with his with his girlfriend or whatever, but then he was subletting. He was trousering the money. He was a right old crook. So uh, they then go round there to say, well, listen, I'm sorry, you owe £6,000. He's moved out of one house, owing the, owing the rent, and moves into somewhere else, where, again, he's subletting the house to somebody else. It's not his house. He's only renting it. But anyway, he's renting out to this girl. And uh, so the bailiffs turn up. He made, You're not touching anything. Well, we are. Put it down. And he starts to touch him, and the bloke goes, don't touch me. Do not touch me again. Do not touch me. I'm warning you now. And uh, so he, he gets his, uh, his lawyer on the phone. It was obviously as thick as he was. Because the lawyer went, I'm sorry, you, you, you can't touch anything in the house. And the bloke goes, we're from the high court. We're doing it. And then another bloke, he turns up. He owes money. He owes something like, what was it? Was it 6,000? Anyway, he phones his friends up and his friends turn up outside the house. Very intimidating bunch of little girls' blouses they turn out. Anyway, he goes, you're not touching nothing, mate. They all talk like that. You're not touching anything. And, um, and so they go, we're high court officers. And, uh, and the other ones are going, you're going to be leaving the premises. He goes, no, I'm not leaving the premises. It's as simple as that. In the end, they call the police. And this bloke's still brazening it out. He's obviously bent as a nine-bob. No, he's not going to pay the money. He's already told them he's not going to pay anything at all. So the police turn up, then more police turn up. And then finally, him and his girly friends kind of get the message. And he goes to the bailiffs. He goes, come in. He said, will he, will he take cash? <laughs> I want to go, yeah, got you, mate. You can't argue with the high court people. No matter whether the person standing in front of you says, well, I've put this into a disputes procedure. I'm terribly sorry. Once they've got that high court writ, they're standing in front of you. You're going to pay it because they're not leaving unless they get some deal done. They'll, they are prepared to do deals on a lot of cases. They're one bloke. He owed is it 6,000. He offered 500. They went, no, they're not taking 500. Don't be stupid. And they clamped his car so he couldn't go anywhere. They have to check it's got no finance. If the car's got finance on it, they can't take it. No finance, they take it. Another bloke, he was a, I think he was a builder, and they were going to take his van. He said, but I can't work without that. So I think they ended up doing a deal. But it was this bloke who turned up with his little girly friends who sort of thought they were being a bit intimidating standing outside there. He coughed up. He coughed up. 
he had to bend over and sort of, you know, accept the fact he'd been shafted. And so they were going to make him pay because the bailiffs always make you pay. They're not leaving. And it takes ages for some people to kind of get the message that they're here to collect. You know about it. You know that you owe the money. You know, the more you try and get it, and it's going to happen more and more. And they're going to make television programmes about it. And I have to be brutally honest with you. There's been people there. I told you there was one couple, Romanian. They trashed the house. They had trashed the house. When they left, they took everything. And they were saying in, in Romanian, you know, take everything, leave these so-and-sos nothing. But they were doing the translation up at the same time. It was exactly the same. The funniest one was in Australia, where they got a bloke who'd, uh, who'd been driving a car. And he was he was drunk and he had no uh, no documentation. When the when the police finally pulled him in, he tried to pretend that it wasn't him driving. His mate was driving. He'd gone off around the corner. So when his mate came back, he, he wasn't driving. It was the one that the police had got because they'd seen him. They said, no, we saw you in the drive. He said, no, not me. And he said to his friend in whatever language he was speaking, just tell them it was you that was driving. So his mate said, no, I, I was driving the car. And the police went, no, you weren't. I thought... Don't you realise they've got people who do interpretations? <laughs> like, they know it's you, you lying little toe rag. But it was the bloke who turned up, you know, in his house and then brought all his little friends in. You know, and his friends were making threatening noises. Very lucky they weren't arrested by the little police officers. They'd been spending the night in a cell. But, uh, you know, they make entertaining television programmes. We all like watching it. Can't pay, we'll take it away. Or the bailiffs are coming, I think, is another one. Same sort of thing. Sometimes they 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 have to play devil's advocate and go, I know what it's like, I know what it's like. And then eventually people sort of cough up the money because they're not going without it. That's the problem. You know, you've, you've borrowed money. Somebody somewhere wants it back. We had a kitchen shop in Twickenham a short while ago. I thought they'd close for re redecoration. It's gone. Huge double-fronted place. It was where the rugby store used to be. And I think it's gone. They don't last five minutes, obviously, because people have got bathrooms. And they're not going to spend a fortune on a bathroom anymore. Uh, somebody says, have you done your Christmas cards yet? No, of course not. Don't be so ridiculous. It's October. What are you, mad? Of course I haven't done them. I'm gonna, I send e-cards. I send e-cards. I do, I, I do a lot of e-cards. I do send cards to some people. I've still got some of last year's. I've still got some of last year's cards, which I bought in, in Costco. They're sort of handmade cards. Makes them sound a bit glamorous, but they're not. They're like 25 quid for a box of 30 or whatever it is. But uh, you go through the designs, and I found lots of nice designs. Then there's a few what I call naff designs. You don't really know what to do with them. Throw them away, I suppose. But uh, I should probably buy some this year, because I think Costco have already got all their uh, Christmassy stuff in. Can't wait. Can't wait. Started buying the Christmas chocolates and stuff like that. That's quite nice for people at work. They've all had the benefit. And this morning we found some more of those nice little apples, which are really delicious. So I brought some of those in. So Ashley out there has had some. I said to her, I said, you will not taste a nicer apple. And they're just the right size. Little bite size. They're, they're delicious, aren't they? They're absolutely delicious. But I can't remember what they're called now. I'll find out later. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, every smoking cannabis does make people more violent. Apparently, that's what they've come up with in the uh, in the papers. But as I don't smoke cannabis, it doesn't make any difference. I said it doesn't. Sorry, <laughs> gets better and better. Chris in Rygate says the answer to cold feet in bed, Steve, is a pair of cashmere socks. Yeah, I thought it was a wife. I thought that's you know somebody somewhere to put your cold feet on, and they go get off. You go, come on, I can't afford cashmere socks. Uh, Dali says, how much would you give your producer if you won the lottery? I've always, I've made that quite clear on the programme. Tenor. Tenor. I would give him a tenor and I said to him, do not complain. He said, no, I'd be very, very grateful. So, um, so that's it. I don't know. What do you mean? How much? I don't know. Because bearing in mind, I do have a number of producers. If I actually worked out how many people had produced 
my my programmes. It, it runs into a, runs into a view at the moment. Uh, Joe says, "Don't forget Diwali in a fortnight. Get ready for the fireworks. You won't you won't spoil my enjoyment. I love the fireworks. I love them because I'm I'm very lucky where we are in Twickenham. We 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 get uh, all of Hounslow's fireworks and Southall's fireworks. Plus, we we get fireworks all over the place. So, no, no, you won't spoil my enjoyment. I love fireworks. Some people hate them. I realise pets." Pets hate them. They don't go big bundles on fireworks, do they? They get a bit sort of scared. Although I did see the dog whisperer, Caesar, and he was teaching a dog not to be remotely bothered about fireworks or uh, motorcycles as well. And so what he did, he actually, because dogs focus on one thing. So he had the dog on a treadmill and you could fire a gun. You could set off fireworks. It, it was only focused on staying on the treadmill. Nothing else mattered to it. So all you've got to do is just keep the dog occupied. But if they're sitting there in the corner and they hear bangs and backfiring and vroom, 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 vroom that'll be Harry in the helicopter. Uh, it's very topical on this programme. Seriously, sometimes I can't believe it either. I cannot believe it. You know that uh, we've been raising money for the past few weeks for Global's Make Some Noise, which is our charity. And uh, for the first week, we offered uh, an incentive. If you if you phoned up to donate some money, it's only, it's only a tiddly amount of money that I'm after. Uh, we offered you the chance to go into a prize draw. First week, holiday for two to New York City with uh, spending money thrown in. Second week, still runs until tomorrow, incidentally. Both of these ones, you'll find the details on the website. It was a holiday for two people to Sandals in Barbados. And uh, both proving extremely popular because the sandals one comes with everything included. 11 gourmet restaurants. You can eat in all of them free. Free booze. Every bar. 11 bars. And it's it's all free booze. A, a water bar and everything. Water sports. Everything is included. In New York City, we were sending you round all the tourist attractions for free. We gave you one of these cards. In fact, we gave you two of these cards. Uh, then a, a meal out at a super steak restaurant. $500 to spend in Bloomingdale's and uh, flights out there. Stay in a Hilton hotel. Both of these still running, the Sandals and the New York trip. And it's on the LBC website. You'll find it under charity page, the charity page. And so what we're doing this week, if you're a, a regular listener, you'll know exactly what I'm going to say now. If you're a new listener, well, then I'm, I'm hoping to, to drag you into my fold and to encourage you to donate some money to charity. The amount of money that I'm I'm looking for is a fiver. And but I'm offering you an incentive. If you donate a fiver to Globals Make Some Noise and you need a, a telephone, mobile telephone to do this with, and it's very simple as I'll explain in a, a moment, I will put you into my prize draw. You can enter up to I think it's about ten times. And you you so you go in the draw ten times. So everybody everybody stands roughly the same the same chances as everybody else. You will go into the prize draw to win a car. Oh, sorry, it's my phone. Uh, a car. A car. It's a Vauxhall Adam in white. I've seen it. Well, I've seen it. They, as I say, they won't let me touch it. You know, don't you, don't you messy fingers, Steve, all over it. Uh, thanks to Arnold Clark. It's a city car. It's got bold design with urban attitude. This is a mean machine because it's got Bluetooth, air conditioning, and a DAB digital radio, so you can listen to your favourite radio station whilst you're sitting behind the wheel. <laughs> That'd be me, by the way. And so if you fancy your chances of winning, and you would love to donate a fiver, it's only a fiver, not a lot, I keep pointing out, I'm trying to think all the things you can buy for a fiver, and, and, and all the good that we can do with a fiver to help young people who uh, 
could have their lives changed. Some of them are very disadvantaged. Some of them are very ill. Some of them need a lot of help. The charities that uh, that support these young people, they need help. And it's it's not just this year, it's next year and the year after and the year after that. They need a lot of help and it takes a lot of money. One of the charities I went down to, it costs over £2 million a year. They don't get any other funding. You know, they have a little bit of sponsorship and that's about all they get. So that's why we've decided to put them uh, into Globals, make some noise so we can raise some money for them for this year. And we're looking to raise as much money as possible. So when we uh, announced that we were doing shows at the Hippodrome, I'm doing one, Nick Ferrari's doing one, and Nigel Farage. I think Nick's going to be interviewed by Nick Clegg, so the two Nicks together. Nigel Farage, I bet he'd love to sit there with a cigarette on. I've just got this feeling, a cigarette on. And, and I've got a show as well. Uh, I've sold out for the 3rd of January. I think people have heard that I've been fairly ill, so they're, they're kind of getting in quick, just in case we don't make it through. I was tempted to call it, you know, Steve Allen, the last appearance, and I thought, no, that made it sound a bit dramatic. They all thought that was a bit too over the top. But uh, we have sold out uh, for the 3rd of, 3rd of January, which, considering we're in October, we're very pleased about, and we've raised thousands and thousands for charity, so that's good. So if you would like to donate a fiver, that's all it is, it's just a fiver, and go into the prize draw to be in with a chance of winning this 17-plate Vauxhall Adam in white. It's got the black gloss alloy wheels. Uh, it's very nice looking. It's very nice looking. And it could be yours if you win, because thanks to Arnold Clark, you don't want to miss it. All you have to do is text CAR on your mobile phone. Text CAR, C-A-R, and send it to 84850. CAR, C-A-R and send it to 84850. And it's as simple as that. You don't even see the money going. It's not like you have to put your hand in your, in your pocket and start sort of, you know, counting out money for us. It's not like that. It just comes off your, off your telephone. Car to 84850. There's a one-off voluntary donation of just a fiver uh, from every text, which goes straight to our charity, helping to change young lives. And some of them break your heart, as you will hear tomorrow on the programme. So some of them really need help in having their lives changed. And we, we're going to do our bit. The charities do their bit. We want to do our bit as well. And with your help, we can raise a lot of money. You've got until five o'clock tomorrow to enter. That's when they all finish. All of the ones that we've had over the past three weeks. The New York, the Barbados, and uh, this one to win the car. So keep keep your phone with you. Nothing worse than it ringing and nobody answers because you've left it at home. So do do keep it with you. Standard network rate supply. You need to be over 18 with a full driving licence. You're playing across all participating stations. There's a full list and rules at lbc.co.uk. So it's CAR, C-A-R, and send it to 84850. And on behalf of uh, the young people who will benefit, I say thank you because some of them can't say thank you to you and so I'm saying thank you on their behalf they won't know that you've done this nice thing they won't know that somebody somewhere who is totally anonymous to them has donated a fiver or you might even be more generous and and have two or three goes so that you can donate a little bit uh, a little bit more money and that's all I ask you for and in return I'll keep my fingers crossed that it's somebody listening at the moment who is the recipient of the the New York holiday of the Barbados holiday and of the car and the holiday competition closes at midday tomorrow. This one stays open until 5pm tomorrow. So once again, to find out more about the trips to New York City or to Barbados, you go to lbc.co.uk and you click on charity. And as I say, it is only a fiver. The other ones are £3, but this, this one's a fiver because it's a, it's a bigger prize. And it's, it's a nice prize as well. So thank you in advance. But if you saw some of these 
children, the, these young people that we want to help, you'd, uh, you'd be sticking money in envelopes, I promise you, for it. And so tomorrow we're going to be telling you about all the things. And you'll hear from some of the people as well, from some of the parents whose children are affected and who uh, we hope we're going to be able to help, you know, to the tune of many, many thousands of pounds. Last year we raised millions and uh, they're looking forward to raising a lot more this year. But that's with your help. It's it's with you and your generosity and you thinking, well, perhaps I, I won't have that bottle of wine tonight. I'll I'll give that fiver. Last year, we raised two point eight million pounds, you know, in a very short space of time. And uh, to say I'm desperate to beat that would be an understatement. I think you've, you've been extremely supportive and I, I thank you very much indeed. I'm constantly bumping into people. Last year, people were coming up to me and pressing money into my hands. I don't know why they were just pressing money into my hands. It was very nice indeed. But uh, I thank you for that because it's, you know, sometimes there are lots of demands on people. You might have bills coming in. But I realise there's a lot of people who are in, in fortunate positions and a fiver really is not a huge amount of money. Three pounds is not a huge amount of money, but we can do a lot with it. We, we can change people's lives. We can help them, you know, have a better quality of life. But that's with your help. And once you've heard, as I say, from them and then you hear just uh, how much good it does, you'll be... I mean, when I went down to the place that I went down to, we told them roughly uh, what we were hoping to make for them, and they were delighted. They were so delighted because they need... It's an ongoing battle for lots of these little charities, and that's why it's important. It's not It's not something... It, it doesn't assure you of a place in heaven, but uh, it gets you pretty close to the pearly gates for doing something nice. And doing something nice can cost as little as three quid, or it can go as much as five quid, or you can bid. I think there's um, a thing... Well, you'll see on the charity pages, one of them is having dinner with Nigel Farage. You can bid for that as well, if you've got a little bit of extra money. Uh, so thank you. Thank you very much indeed. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Steve, a waterbed is all you need. No more cold feet, arms or hands, as it's heated. Oh, I couldn't sleep on anything that moved backwards and forwards. Seriously, some friends of mine had a, had a waterbed... And and I sat on it and I thought, oh, no, no, thank you very much. It's bad. It's like being seasick. Definitely not. Uh, Tell says, you looking forward to trick or treat? When's that? When is that? Halloween. End- oh, that's right. Third- oh, that's right. You can always tell. Isn't it? It's an American thing. And that means that all the pound lands and all the other shops will be full of uh, all sorts of strange thing like sort of cobwebs. And the- oh, it's ghastly. I, I never bother with trick-or-treating. As I say, I always electrify the doorbell anyway, just to make it marginally more entertaining. And then I put the CCTV on, so you can watch people going... Ow! Oh, it's very funny. I don't know why... It, only the Americans do trick-or-treat. You can't, you can't do trick-or-treat here. If somebody's in a flat, you might as well just sort of whistle in the wind, because they're not going to come down for you. You can push the doorbell as much as you like. And they go, we're going to throw eggs at your front door. You go, well, do it. Who cares? We've got cleaners. Don't worry. Uh, Steve, I've been wearing Creed Aventus for many years, although I thought I'd have a change, so I bought Creed Himalaya. Same price, uh, very nice, but it doesn't seem to have the longevity as Aventus. Last Sunday, Creed, Creed Viking was launched. <laughs> Good Lord above, honestly. And so I thought I'd try a 50ml bottle at £185. Arrived yesterday, says Richie, all gift wrap, very, very nice. I've had two showers and I can still smell it. Oh dear, that sounds like carbolic. If something's still with you after two showers, I wouldn't want that at all. I'm still using Aventus, and uh, I can't smell it, although my friend Jordan says that when he, he came down a couple of uh, weeks ago, he said, I came around the corner, he said I could smell the aftershave. I said, oh, please, stop it. What a thing to say. Maybe sound like I drenched myself in it, because I'm always quite aware of it. Well, I think I'm quite aware of it. I mean, I've got it on this morning, but I don't think you can smell it, can you? You wouldn't... No, you can't. Oh, I'm going to put some more on, then. <laughs> 
because I haven't had a shower in like three weeks. I'm getting to that desperate stage. Catherine did did buy the haddock chowder the other day, and uh, so I'm having it again today. I've had it three days running. I love it because it's got potato in it, a bit of swede, some haddock. It's it's delicious. And you had it with a crusty roll. See, I've dropped the crusty roll. I'm not I'm not a bread person. I do occasionally have a piece of toast. It is just occasionally. But the rest of the time, I, c- I can live without it. And then I thought about putting some, some grated cheese on it. And then I thought, I don't know, would that could you do that? Had it chowder with grated cheese? Probably. But I have it in a big mug, so I sip it out of a big mug. I can't be bothered with a, a spoon and a bowl and all the rest of it. No, thank you. Uh, my friend uh, says the lottery in America reached 1.6 billion last year. Somebody won it. Well, actually, it didn't. It got to about, it was 700 million. I checked on it the other day. And then if you take a lump sum, it came down to 400 million. Because otherwise it's payable over so many years, like 25, 50 years or something. Something ridiculous. And you can't pass it on to anybody else. And you, uh, and then it was that. And then after you've taken off the tax or something, it came down, they took 200 million off. And I think it was a woman in, in Massachusetts. So she won, uh, we've, we've just checked, 758 million dollars. But you only get that if you have it payable over a number of years. If you're, say, 50 or 60, what's the point of having it paid over a few years? Take the lump sum. And I think she took the lump sum, which means that you get about, you know, 500. Oh, no, she did. T- oh, she got. Oh, wait a minute. So I've given her a check here. $758 million. She did tell her employer that, that she wasn't she wasn't going back to work. So she chose to take the lump sum of 480 million, 336 million after taxes. Wow. She said uh, the night before a win, she was leaving work with a firefighter. Oh, yeah. And says, it's never going to be me. It's just a pipe dream I've always had. Then she read the number on the ticket and realised she'd won. She had a clerical job in a nursing department, Mercy Medical Centre in Springfield. (laughs) Not anymore, she ain't. Not anymore. Friend of mine says, no, that was the lottery six weeks ago. I was there for that one and bought tickets. Amazing, isn't it? But uh, you, you end up taking a taking a lesser amount of money. So 758 million. Here we go. The winners of the $1.6 billion jackpot, uh, a couple claimed to have bought the winning ticket six months later. Is that, is that true then? Is that, or, or they just made it all up? That's not bad, is it really? They've, they've chosen to take the cash option. Three to 7.8 million. I could cope with that. I'd be happy with that. Wouldn't you be happy with that? I bet you the place that sold the ticket gets inundated. But uh, it's funny, you never get the same. Do you know they do the same on um, uh, America Wants to Be a, um, oh, America? Uh, America's Got Talent. They say you can win a million dollars. That's payable over 25 years. You don't get a million dollars. I know, because I, I spoke to somebody about it, and they said, no, you don't get the million dollars. Which is a bit of a shame, isn't it? I'd be expecting to get a million dollars. Thank you very much indeed. That would sort of, you know, be, be rather nice. Uh, a lot of people talking about buying lottery tickets for this Friday when it's, you know, it's only 100 and, what do we say, 168 million. It's all right. But to be honest with you, it's just numbers, isn't it? Just numbers. Perhaps we'll run the advert where, where, where the woman goes, wait a minute, I can see one, two, three, four, five, six zeros. And in front of that is the number 168. Yes! <laughs> Would I quit work? Of course not. Of course not. Why would you want to do something like that? That'd be silly, wouldn't it? That'd be silly. I might cut back a little bit, but I certainly wouldn't quit work. I've got a contract. Good heavens above, I wouldn't... I would, 
Cost, cost enough in terms of everything to actually get the contract without sort of just jacking it all. Everybody else would be going, why would, you, why would you work? You've got that much money. I go, because every day's a holiday. Well, it is when you go to the hospital and sit there waiting to have bandages changed and everything else. I mean, that's why it's like a holiday for me. Because I don't really spend that much time in holiday. Uh, Steve, is it the baby rocket apples? It is the baby rocket apples. Have you ever had... If you've never had one, you have to get their baby rocket apples. They come in a tube. They used to do three in the tube. Now they've got, I think, five in the tube. And they're three quid for five, which is a lot of money. It's a luxury item. But you won't find anything that tastes as good. They really they really are tasty. Really tasty. Very, very tasty. They're really tasty. What was that from? Was that an advert? I can't remember whether it was an advert or something. And uh, I can't remember, actually. <laughs> My friend says, massive congratulations on selling out for Make Some Noise. Why don't you add... Why don't... Look at this... You'll, you'll be quiet. It says, why don't you add another 20 nights or perhaps three nights at the O2? Listen, I think one night is quite a... I have done two shows in one night before of my stage show some, some years. It's exhausting. How people do pantomime. I was talking to David Hasselhoff. Sorry, just drop a name. And, uh, well, no, it was a ghost. And uh, David Hasselhoff. And I said, you're doing panto this year? He said, no, his first year he hasn't done it. He's done it for about eight years. And he, he gives of his Captain Hook. And uh, I've got friends of mine who do pantomime. I think you'll find uh, Stephen Mulhern does pantomime every year. It's exhausting. I don't care what anybody says. You know, you're changing costumes, putting it on, and you've got the thing. And then you do one show, and if you put too much into it, you then, about an hour and a half later, you've got to do the thing all over again. And some shows, they do three times a day. Where they get this energy from, um, I don't know. I didn't ask about his uh, museum. I couldn't. I could barely get a word in edgewise. Seriously, he was, he was off and running. He was talking about all sorts. He talked about his, uh, his fiancée quite a lot, Hayley, who hates the paparazzi. Hates the paparazzi. But then occasionally she'll say, oh, you've got to go and talk to these people. They've been queuing there for ages. Because he's trying to bring back Knight Rider. He's very keen to bring back Knight Rider. Um, he's got a cruise coming up where you can go. You can go on a cruise with, uh, with the family. And he'll be doing, he'll be singing and talking and doing all sorts of things. They do, it's very much an American thing, where you go and it, it's for fans, and there's details of that. Plus, he's got um, there's a film out as well. Plus, he's got his his Netflix. It's, he's really busy. And then next year, he's got something else happening. His daughter is in a reality show over here. It's um, and it's they, it's just non-stop. The good thing about him is that he can laugh at himself. I think he knows that, you know, it's not a serious thing. I made him laugh. We were talking about Roger Whittaker. I thought I'd be the only person who knows that Roger Whittaker sings in German when he goes and tours Germany. And, uh, and David Hasselhoff said, um, another name I dropped. He, uh, he said, uh, he said I, I don't sing in German. He said, but uh, he said, I get away with it. He turns up and he, he did appear with Andre Ryu in the orchestra. There's some, there's some really good stories, really good stories. Uh, as has... Um, as has Matt Lucas as well. So uh, all to play for, as they say, which is the news coming up very, uh, very shortly here on LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's uh, early breakfast. We call this as like sort of the, the pre-run up to, uh, to breakfast. Um, I, I shouldn't imagine he's bought a ticket. No, I would hope not. That'd be very embarrassing, wouldn't it? If he bought a ticket. Not any surprises in the audience. Thank you very much indeed. Just want a nice, easygoing little show. You know, I sit there and bake a cake. Mary Berry stands there. As I say, last year I got Ali Jones to introduce me. Who it's going to be this year, I've got no idea. I was hoping for Jordan, but you can't have everything. Uh, 84850, UK. Gogglebox is Josh. No, we didn't know him either. He's apparently got a job at number 10. 
Uh, the RAF jets scrambled in the Ryanair scare. They were probably surprised everybody else to see a Ryanair jet actually in the air. And uh, Asda sparks a wave of cuts at the pumps. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. Thursday, 5th of October. 5th of... So it's a month away from bonfire night, isn't it? But we've got Diwali before that. So for, for those people who love fireworks, we've got fireworks everywhere. There'll be bangs and whizzes. And we had a really good firework, actually, at Paul Cooper's place the other year. And it was one of those, you buy a big box. It was something like £150 for this repeater thing. And I think it had about 100 shots. And each one was different. It was amazing. It was, a, it was a firework display in itself. It would send up, and then you'd get, and it went on about a hundred times. Neighbours must have hated it. We loved it. We loved it. Uh, the big warning in the papers today, 60 mile an hour winds. It's going to be a bit, uh, a bit blowy. So uh, just be a little bit careful if you're out there. It'll be umbrellas blowing inside out. They were selling an umbrella on QVC the other day. It's an umbrella that um, when you... If it's been raining, obviously we've got the umbrella, and you, tu- and, you, and you close it, it keeps all the water inside. It sort of implodes on itself. It's very clever. Security at the Conservative Party conference when a deeply unfunny comedian who the BBC just called... What did they call him? A, a twit or something like that. Whatever it is. They must know who he is. They employed him. He had his own show on the television, Lee Nelson's Well Good Show or something like that, which was about as funny as nothing. And, uh, and the, the BBC seemed to have sort of not acknowledged the fact that they know him. Typical BBC, isn't it? No idea. Who is that? That's Lee, Lee Nelson. Oh, just call him some, some twit or something who invades the Conservative Party conference. Uh, thank you for all those people who told me about the It's Tasty, Very, Very Tasty, which turns out to be Brand Flakes. Also parodied by a girl punk band, says Rob, who, poor soul, for his sins is in Bracknell. Uh, Jones in uh, Banstead, says Great Show as always. And apparently it was uh, it was the one that sang their tasty. So I can't remember these things. I remember the I remember the line, but I can't remember what it was for. Somebody says Lee says it was uh, it was the brand flakes. Somebody says fruit and fibre. No, wrong on the fruit and fibre. Definitely brand flakes. And then somebody says it's Muller, and it's a bear who says it's tasty. Says Martin. No, it's not. It's definitely not. We had the uh, it's frothy man, and that was some fizzy drink, I think. I think it might have, might have got that bit wrong as well. But, uh, no, it was definitely, definitely bran flakes. It's made me quite hungry, actually, thinking about it. Every time I talk about cereal. And I'm not really a cereal person. I get very worried, says Lynn, when you mention eating hot food because of the accidents you've had. Maybe the money you've saved or not, or not drinking could be invested in a, in a hazard suit. <laughs> I see no reason why not, actually. Hazard suit sounds like a very good idea. I do like candles, still. I am I am prone to lighting candles. I've got fake candles that the the wick looks as though it's moving because it's on a little magnet, and they do look very. You never know that it wasn't uh, wasn't real, but I do have real candles. But you're right. I'm I'm being. I think I'm accident prone. I'm totally convinced I'm accident prone. The only thing I'm very good at is driving. I don't think I've ever had an accident. There was only one time I had an accident. And I'm always very wary. I was crossing a junction at the bottom of Kensington High Street. My lights were green. I went over, but a car from the right-hand side didn't stop at the lights and hit the side of my car. Actually, I've had two accidents. And, um, and spun me round in the road. I was OK, and we managed to get home. The other time, I was going to drop a friend of mine at the airport. And as I go up there, I take my eye off the road, and my little Mini at the time, my little brown Mini, went under the back of a lorry. And so I limped up to my friend's place where the radiator was all caved in and everything else. Managed to get there, though. 
Managed to get there. In those days, you never sort of worried about things like that. You just went, oh, I've had a little accident, and you put it on the insurance. Nowadays, I'm I'm not paranoid over it, but I'm very careful. I'm very aware of other drivers. It's There's more bad driving out there than you can shake a stick at. So it's a bloke from Gogglebox called Josh who's got a job in number 10. But even looking at a picture, I've got no idea who he is. Not a clue. He's about as effective as a chocolate teapot on the programme. Uh, Asda sparking a wave of cuts at the pumps. I'm presuming that uh, presumably that means that they're going to be sort of slashing the slice of the, slice of the price of petrol again. Uh, Cresta was the bear. He's frothy man. Cresta. And I, I like that other one. I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Ah, oh, whites. Ah, oh, whites. He opens the fridge, doesn't he, in the middle. Who goes downstairs to open the fridge up and get some lemonade? Worst thing you can have when you're in bed. It's full of sugar. Want stuff like that, do you? We'll do the uh, front pages of the papers just after half past this morning. Uh, also, the um, the cancer drugs, I'll tell you about as well later. They say they cost a small fortune, but do they actually do any work? They say no. The the baffling job titles at the BBC. This is where they... I'm going to find this one if it kills me. But it's it's job titles where they... You don't, you don't even know what it is. Oh, I've got the titty ditty. Do you want the titty ditty? Let's get it over and done with, shall we, now? Because this is a story uh, about a lady. She's a factory worker. Her name is Lisa Vickers. And uh, it was her 40th birthday card. And, of course, as usual, like, you know, in keeping with lots of other places, uh, somebody says, oh, it's so-and-so's birthday. And they do, um, they, they, they do a card and everybody signs it. Happy birthday, Steve. You don't look a day over 70. That kind of thing. Unfortunately, her one was a little bit ruder. And uh, she was handed this card after it was passed around. Her boss, though, her boss was mortified. Well, he he made her mortified. Um, he actually wrote, his name's uh, Dave Raisencroft. He'd written, Lisa, it's your birthday. I bet you're thrilled to bits, but not as much as I would be if I could feel your... And then he wrote this word. So she, she took it further. And she's just been given... Uh, £10,000 compensation. As you can well imagine, the man's an idiot. So she quit her production work. She went home crying. And uh, and she said she tried to hide her chest. I think that's a bit over the top, isn't it? I'm a little bit over the But of course, it, it sort of adds to the weight of it. Some people are very... And I have to be honest, she has got a magnificent chest uh, for sale in, uh, in her house, I should imagine. But I mean... <laughs> huge. It's, I don't want to make a big deal about it because it's not my kind of thing, but, you know, just kind of mentioning it uh, for people who sort of worry about these sort of things. Anyway, the tribunal decided she was going to get £10,000. I don't know what she's going to do. <laughs> There's so many... I mean, it's, it's so awful, isn't it? Because you can see so many sort of things that you go, I mean, you shouldn't be seeing something funny in this because most of the time you turn around and write a little ditty back to him, you know, talking about something else. But uh, so she's had it. But uh, anyway, she said Mr Ravenscroft, who she compared to the TV comic Benny Hill, would stand outside the gate smoking and looking at women. Nothing worse, is there really? Smoking and looking at women. I mean, two of the, two of the evils in the world, ladies and gentlemen, standing outside the factory. It's like something out of, you know, I mean, if, if you... I was I'm watching the other day, Open All Hours... With Ronnie Barr, he was, oh, Nurse Gladys. And you think, it's the same thing, but you can't write it nowadays. You can't do something like that. You certainly wouldn't commit yourself to, to pen, would you? Well, I mean, I wouldn't. Elvis Costello's dad was the secret lemonade drinker, says my friend. I'm the secret lemonade drinker. Oh, white. And they go, oh, white lemonade. I'm not even sure if you can still buy it. 
You think you can get that stuff? We used to do years ago when I used to run a little youth club. We do splits, which came in all these different colours. And and in my day, when I was younger, we used to have the Corona Man who used to come round, and you could buy a bottle of Corona. That was always considered a bit fab. Nowadays, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't. I don't do fizzy drinks. But if you've got children, I should imagine they thrive on fizzy drinks. They love fizzy drinks and Corona. My favourite was ice cream soda, or it's called cream soda. But if you put a dollop of ice cream in it. That was delicious. That was quite nice. Happy days. Happy day. all the all the things that you know bring you pleasure in life. You can't have any more, can you? Because they're bad for you. So we're, we're supposed to follow the advice of the Beckhams, like anybody believes Victoria Beckham's gives her family's nuts. I cut your own jokes. Uh, other stories which are in the papers for today: the reason why women gossip finally been uh, revealed. I suppose because people just like a little bit of little bit of tittle-tattle, don't they? People want to know things. People always say to... You know, I mean, I was told some gossip yesterday. I can't repeat it to you because I said to the person who told me this gossip, I said, oh, that's lovely. And they said, you mustn't... I'm, I'm trusting you not, not to say anything. I said, oh. And I so, I so want to tell you, but I can't. But it's such a good bit of gossip. And, of course, the worst thing is, when you actually say, say to somebody, you know, it's a really good bit of gossip, they go, oh, tell me. Of course, I'm, I'm t- I always say to people, please don't tell me. Please don't tell me anything that you want to keep a secret. Uh, the spy who loved knee, a former spy chief who assaulted a dinner guest by touching her knee. Brian Lord, OBE, held the woman's leg for two to three minutes. Uh, she spoke to his partner, Natasha Marshall, in the kitchen before leaving in tears. Lord and, and Miss Marshall rowed and left. The prosecutor told the court... Uh, the hand was there for a significant time and caused her embarrassment and awkwardness. He's got to pay his victim 120 quid and £200 costs because you can't touch now. And yet the bloke on the television on BBC who does the antiques programme, he's constantly putting his arm round women and touching them. The one who wears the brightly coloured suits. What did I see the other day? Michael Portillo, not camp. Uh, running upstairs in America in a brightly coloured jacket and sort of going, da-da, and doing a star jump. Most peculiar. Where he gets these jackets from, I've got no idea. Wouldn't catch me wearing anything like that anytime soon. So the spy who loved knee, because you can't put your hand on people's knees now. You can't. You can't sort of touch. But they don't like it. So you say, I'm. I'm not. Luckily, I'm not a tactile person. And uh, and I'm. I'm. Occasionally, I can be after I've had sort of you know copious amounts of, uh, of Prosecco. But normally speaking, I'm, I'm not a tactile person. £168 million on the jackpot. Very nice indeed. Michael Barrymore in line for £2.5 million. Uh, people sort of debating whether or not they like the Kardashians. I couldn't give a 4X either way. The £40 call charge for the Axe Monarch staff. The pilots had to ring a premium rate number to be told they were sacked. They really are turning out to be even more ghastly than you imagine. Penman investigates. Always a good, uh, a good read. He sort of exposes the people who are who are sort of the crooks, the bosses laughing at the Home Office penalties. He was talking about bosses with a simple tactic when slapped with a Home Office penalty. They just don't pay it. He's found loads of people in East London, in Sussex, in Basingstoke, in Ilford, in Uxbridge. People who've been charged, you know, one of them, £30,000 in Dewsbury in West Yorkshire for employing two illegal workers. Not paid a penny piece. I'll pay a penny piece. Put it into the hands of the, the bailiffs. They'll go round and find it. And if you ever wondered where your wallet went, they've just found one from the 1980s behind a nightclub radiator. Imagine a nightclub having a radiator, ladies and gentlemen. They've just found it. A lost wallet, and it's got all sorts of things in it. And they want to reunite the reveller with the brown leather wallet. We used to find them in toilets. 
in these cistern because people would nick them. You know, girls used to dance around their handbags years ago. Somebody would go there, kick the bag to one side, put their hand in, take out the wallet, nip into the toilet, take out the contents, the money, credit card, whatever it happened to be, and drop the thing in the cistern. You could go and retrieve a dozen at the end of the night because people thieve because women take handbags out. Not in Blackpool. In Blackpool they don't do that. They just sort of shove the credit card down the bra, I think. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. They seem to be faffing around on the 316 in Twickenham. Uh, when I come in in the morning, they sort of got it closed off with something else. Now it turns out that a car was found overturned on the 316, so they've, they've closed it in both directions at Godfrey Avenue due to this collision. Motorists advise it will remain shut for some time. That's going to be a pain. It's going to be a pain for people out there. You're going to have to go through Richmond uh, on both on both ways, actually, you can go through uh, through Richmond. God, dear, honestly. Just the kind of thing you don't need on a Thursday. Even worse on a Friday, I suppose. Even worse. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. 21 minutes past. Six is the time. Um, and uh, what do they have, actually? Oh, yes. I love this person sort of wishing everybody a happy Thursday. One time they used to wish you happy Friday. Now they do Thursday. And uh, Phil Vickery says, My brother used to work part-time in the R. White's factory in the 70s in Folkestone. Did they just do lemonade or did they do other things? I can't remember, actually. I only remember sort of these things vaguely. But um, I, I do uh, I do quite like being reminded of these things. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, oh, I, was, I was tweeting yesterday that I recorded two great interviews yesterday. They also made Orange Aid, Dandelion and Burdock and Cream... So- Dandelion and Burdock and Cream Soda. It was uh, taken... Over by Whitbread in the 60s, later absorbed by Britvic. Do you remember those little things you could buy in pubs? Little Britvic orange and Britvic pineapple, Britvic tomato. I used to love a tomato juice. I had a tomato juice a short while ago. Most people absolutely hate and they go, oh, not tomato juice, yucky, yucky. But um, I, I thought it was quite good, actually. <laughs> I like things like that. Uh, Paul says, I'd like to tweet you were mentioned in. Everybody waiting to hear the real Matt Lucas interview. I think I might make you wait a little tiny bit for that one. Might not be this weekend. I think this week is, um, well, I'll tell you tomorrow. You'll have to wait, actually. Uh, And Rob says, I'm afraid you're right, Steve. Bracknell is a dump. (laughs) Not all of it. There are bits of it. Same in every area, isn't it? Uh, Lee says, I think Ross Kemp was in the Brown Flakes advert. And and somebody else told me exactly the same. Ross Kemp was in it. Must have been very young, wasn't he? And uh, Steve, you made me smile with the secret lemonade drinker because that was my mum's. Favourite advert. She passed away in February. She used to sing it and made us laugh as kids. Bless you for that memory. It was the fact they opened the fridge and started singing to the fridge. Somebody used to joke about Bruce Forsyth. They used to say he, could, he couldn't open the fridge without doing 20 minutes in front of it as the light came on. You know those lights? I remember thinking, what point does the light go off? And so you close the fridge as a kid and you look through it. Oh, it's gone off now. And you couldn't work out how it happened until you realised there's a little button inside which pushed it. I just think, how would we find anything? Uh, Lots safer, Steve. Um, Buy some heat pads, put them in the microwave. Um, I could do, actually, but I'm not not particularly uh, bothered about heat pads in bed. I might use the hot water bottle tonight because I refuse, point blank, to put the heating on at the moment. It's not cold enough to actually put the, the heating on. Although people will tell you that, you know, and I'm always the first one to go, I refuse to freeze. I'm quite good. Somebody says, you brought back some very nice memories. Talk about the Corona Man. I love the red cola with a blob of ice cream. <gasps> oh, Eddie, I remember the blob of ice cream. Ice cream float. You could buy them in, in the local milk bars that used to do cups of coffee in, in see-through 
glass cups. Do you remember those ones? You could sit... A cup of coffee was always very, very popular. And, uh, and the other one... Um, what was the other one we used to have? Milkshakes. A crusher milkshake. A crusher milkshake. And they used to put it... And I used to think, oh... Because we used to have at home Nesquik. And I have to be honest, I could never dissolve all the powder. It was never... But crusher was a liquid. And the banana one was... Oh, God. If your mum went out for the day... Because you know who was, who was a, a really bad eater? Matt Lucas. He says that when he, was, when he was younger, his parents would go out for the day, and that was the time he started raiding the biscuit tin. I used to raid the biscuit. You'd think to yourself, how many biscuits could I have out before they noticed there were biscuits missing? And I used to go to the bottom of the biscuit tin to get the wafers. And um, I'm a bit naughty. because the other thing I pinched was cigarettes. We had a cigarette box... In the sitting room, with, with and I, I, that was my first cigarette I pinched from there. I don't know why I pinched it, actually. I think it's because my mother had said to me, you know, oh, you don't want to smoke, it's horrid. And I thought, oh, she said, you'll be sick. So, of course, I had a cigarette and I wasn't sick. And, uh, and that, was the, that was the rocky road to hell, as far as I was concerned. Uh, 84850. Oh, my, my, sorry, my, my producer's just texted me, little Mark. Thank you very much indeed. But uh, I think we, we should be all right, Mark. Should be all right for the other one. OK. Uh, uk. the doomed Monarch Airlines staff do you know I feel really sorry, sorry for the uh, for the Monarch Airlines staff they've been treated so badly they don't have jobs and uh, and the airline they must have known something was going horribly wrong mustn't they you know they must have I mean surely the warning signs were there it just doesn't happen overnight Phil Vickery tells me that Apple Aid and Cherry Aid Cherry Aid remember Cherry Aid drinks I'm sure it never even saw a cherry in its life, but I used to love it. And I can, I can tell you exactly how much a bottle of Corona was. It was one and tenpence. And yet if you held it up to the light, on the back of the label, it had 3D, which was threepence. Old money, not, not three pence, threepence, 3D. And that's what you got back on the bottle. Even in the early days, you were recycling, so they would, they would take the bottles back. You took it back into the shop. If they knew you in the shop, they'd give you the... Uh, the threepence off immediately. So you only had to pay one and six or one and whatever, one and seven or something like that. But, uh, oh, God, yeah, cherry aid. And it used to hurt your throat. You say, oh, cherry aid. I never thought about the fact it had all sorts of strange things in it. Parents nowadays must, must panic, mustn't they? Uh, Natalie says, did the Hoff talk about the new Baywatch movie? No, he was very... We, we talked about loads of things. We really talked about loads of things. We talked about, you know, his panto. We talked about uh, a film he's got out. We talked about the cruise. We talked about the fact he's very keen to bring Knight Rider back. Very keen to bring that back. He's, he's starting a, a campaign. He never stops working. He's 65. He looks good. I'm sure that he's had some work. I did say to somebody, do you think he's had work done? <laughs> and they said yes. But whatever it is, it looks good on him. He was, he was in fine. And he came in early. He was in at nine o'clock. Mind you, Matt Lucas was in at 9.30. And when people come in very early for me, they get, they get my, my special undivided attention. Um, our current fridge, says the producer, makes a never-ending beep noise if the button isn't pushed in after about 20 seconds. Really? Isn't that horrible? I didn't realise. Is that because you've got the door open and it's not sealed? Oh, right. I must be very old-fashioned. Mine doesn't make any noise at all. Is yours a big double? Is it a double fridge? Oh, right. See, I'm not rich enough to have a double fridge. And each door's separate. God, you are so rich. I don't know anybody as rich as you. I can't... I just go into sores and sort of open a fridge door just to see what it's like to have a really posh fridge. I haven't got anything like that. Got a freezer on the other side. All combined in one unit. 
Right side's fridge, left side's fridge. Can you imagine somebody that rich? I'm working with them. I'm working with somebody that rich. I don't know anybody like that. You'll be telling me next you've got two sinks or something in the kitchen. No, a friend of mine has, but then he's orthodox. So he's got two he's, he's got two fridges, he's got two sinks. I thought, that must be a godsend. That must be a godsend. Have you, have, do you have a stainless steel sink? Oh, oh it's, it's a normal, whatever it is, sort of sink. Do you have a waste disposal? You're so rich. I don't know anybody that rich. Who's got a waste disposal nowadays? I've just got bags I throw stuff in. But years ago, people put stuff in the middle and then you poke it down with a spoon if you've got apple peelings and stuff like that. That is so rich. I'm working with I'm working with these people. There's a lovely line in Miss Saigon, the making of the musical, and it's the, filmed on the first night. And one of the dancers rushes off stage for a quick costume change. Uh, the cameraman's filming in the dressing room and he goes, I can't believe he said, it's a hit and I'm in it. And I thought, that's exactly how we feel every morning. Thank you, incidentally, for uh, for going in for my donate some money to make some noise. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to really call on you, really, because we're, we're going to be playing you some clips which are going to break your heart tomorrow. I warn you now of some lovely people that we met. And uh, there's going to be all sorts of presenters on LBC trying to tempt you to part with a little bit of money. Not huge amounts of money. It's not huge amounts of money. I was talking to, Sir, to a friend of mine who's working for another one of our stations here and she's going to be doing the same thing. She's going to finish and then go home and then come back in again. So uh, that's always quite... You know, people are going to go the extra mile. They were making cakes yesterday, making cakes outside there and, uh, and selling them. So if you had a slice of cake, you put some money in the bag. People have come up with all sorts of unusual things. And because there's so many of us in this building, I keep reminding people, I keep saying there's a thousand of us in this building and everybody's doing different things. They were all wearing, all the boys yesterday, on the fourth floor, wearing rah-rah skirts. <laughs> so glad I wasn't on that floor yesterday. And Mike says, completely with you on tomato juice. Lovely with a dash of Worcestershire sauce, Tabasco, lemon juice, ice and celery salt and a huge slug of vodka. I know, I know, it's awful. Sandy says, my heating is on every morning so it warms my underwear and towel for the morning shower. Oh, hot towels. That's quite nice, isn't it? Uh, somebody from our Birmingham office is kayaking from there to London. So she must be, yeah, she's coming via canals. You can do that it's because the canal system has opened up. That's a bit brave, isn't it? God, she must be frozen to death, poor soul. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Phil Vickery says Limeade. Do you remember Limeade? It came in that... It was like you'd been to Chernobyl. It was that fluorescent green colour that you thought, wow! But che- no, Cherryade would be my favourite. Cherry, But we didn't... We weren't allowed it very often. We didn't have it. When we, when we were kids growing up, we didn't have things like that. What did we drink? I think we just had orange squash. And in my day, it was very boring. Just orange and lemon. And then they brought out the Coronas and stuff like that. Then we had Florida orange juice, which came in that pack that was like a twist pack. Do you remember you could bake those things years ago, croissant, and it was the Pillsbury Doughboy. And they make croissants and a few other things, and then you got a little packet of something you drizzled over it. Kind of made you redundant, Phil, making cakes and croissants and sort of pano, semi-chocolat, stuff stuff like that. Because we sort of got round to doing it, actually. Every Sunday it was a treat, he said. I know. The Corona Man. He come up to the. It was you could hear him. It was like the old-fashioned milkman, like sort of Kevin the milkman, like that. We could hear the milk bottles in his little crate, and he put six bottles in it, and he had Corona in it. And you'd go up there, and you go um, two limeade, and and it was never strawberry. Then industry, it was cherry, cherryade, and it sounded. There's a line in something else, and somebody was. I think they're doing it in uh, steel magnolias, and uh, she goes up, and, and this guy says, "What would you like?" And she says, "I'd like a cherry cola." 
And he goes, I'll make you the best cherry cola ever. And I remember thinking, that sounds so so dated, but at the same time so exciting. When we went to the milk bars and you had, you had all the milkshakes and everything else. Front pages of the papers, I shall tell you about in one moment. I'm going to tell you what Nick Ferrari is uh, doing this morning on his programme after the news at seven. After Theresa May battled through her keynote speech, despite being hampered by a bad throat and an interruption from a so-called comedian... She tried to set out her vision for the British dream. Is she resilient or do you just pity her? EU consumer safety checks could be replaced by Amazon reviews after Brexit. Find out how and why on the show. Plus, after Nick's GEMS campaign led the way in calling for laws to be changed to protect emergency service staff in England and Wales, we'll hear what the Home Secretary, Amber Rudd, makes of the proposal. That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from seven o'clock on LBC. Nick is also, if you go to the LBC webpage, Nick's going to be at the Hippodrome as well. Different night from it. Well, obviously we can't do two on the same night, but here he's going to be there as well. Interviewed by Nick Clegg. So it's, I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's ever played the, uh, the Hippodrome. It's nice. It's very nice. Not huge, but it's nice. And all, all the people who went last year will, will tell you it, it's really Really lovely. And then you can come outside, you can have a drink at the bar, you can go up to the roof and be behind that chariot and everything else which is on the roof there. It's, it's really lovely. So he's on the 17th of January at 6.30. I think I'm 7 o'clock. Why am I later? Why am I later? I want to be 6.30 as well. Oh, that's nice. They've actually written sold over Steve Allen. So, oh, no, I'm 6.30 as well. The doors are open. Oh, right, doors are open at 6.30. Oh, all right. Doors are open at 6.30. doesn't matter. Front page of the uh, the Daily Mirror today. Splutter disaster. If you're losing your voice and you are the Prime Minister and the eyes of the world are upon you and you've got some third-rate celebrity comedian who thinks it's funny to go and do something like this, then uh, then you get the headlines. And unfortunately, she gets the headlines on all the papers this morning. Uh, they've got the, the, you know, the shamble. She'd lost her voice. You know, the mirror, very mean, very mean to sort of pick on her because she lost her voice. I don't wave a flag for any particular party, believe it or not. But, uh, you know, if she, if she loses her voice, of course she was spluttering. She was choking. You know, glad you think that's funny. Perhaps we'll laugh when one of your journalists goes on question time and starts spluttering. We go, ha, 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 ha. Uh, victory, the PM pledges to change the law on organ donation. So, I mean, that really should have been the main headline, which it is. Uh, Theresa May bringing in an organ donor opt-out law to save 500 lives a year. Saving anything would be a miracle. Uh, the Sun, Gemma pulls a gawker. This is the uh, desperado who is Gemma Atkinson. She's apparently um, been secretly dating Alexandra Burke's dance partner. I mean, really, these people are just so desperate, aren't they? Can't you just get on with the dancing stuff and sort of do away with the silly little shenanigans? Or is that your role in life, to just irritate people beyond belief? Seriously, it's just, it's so unnecessary. So un- I couldn't give a flying forex who you want to go out with. But just get on with it and stop doing all this sort of rubbish in the papers, OK? Try and, try and make something of your career as opposed to completely screwing it up. Uh, Mary Berry has praised Prue Leith as just the person to take over her role on the show. I don't see that there's a bad bone in Mary Berry's body. She's not that, not that sort of person, is she? Not really. Uh, the Daily Star today stunned Theresa, handed P45, and uh, Boris was sitting there smiling because this so-called comedian, the one who, the, for some reason, they don't seem to be naming him in the paper. They just say a comedian. Uh, the BBC couldn't bring themselves to actually name him, yet they employed him. They employed him. 
as Lee Nelson. That's his, his alter ego. Like, you know, you've got Lee Francis, who apparently is about as funny as his normal character. People are going, oh, he's really funny. You go, no, he's just not. I'm really sorry. The page three kidnapped girl, I'm right to cash in. Something about her I don't like. Don't know what it is. Can't quite put your finger on it, but luckily it's a free world and you're entitled to look at somebody on the television and go, something about you I don't like. And I think uh, you'll find that Piers Morgan felt exactly the same. She's just a little bit too cocky with the whole thing. There's something about it. Something about it. Daily Mail on the front page. A nitwit prankster. They know his name. Why are they not putting his name down? They know who it is. As I say, the BBC didn't know who it was, but there again, they're obviously a bit simple in their news department. Wretched, freakish luck, but the old girl made it to the end. After this, Brexit will be a cinch. Yeah, she was losing her, her voice, but they, you would have thought that somebody would have given her something. A little bit more than some water. You know, couldn't somebody have gone, have we got any manuka honey? I mean, why don't they think about these things? It's lots of people making speeches. You know, if I go out and I'm doing something, you know, on the odd occasion, I make sure that I've got something with me. I've either got a chloroseptic spray to take away from a sore throat. If I've got a sore throat and I don't touch wood somewhere in here, where, below, um, I I sort of try and make sure that I've got enough things because, you know, I, I survive on my voice. If I've got no voice, I've got, you know, nothing going on at all. And so she was suffering. And then, you know, Lee Nelson or, you know... What's his face? Goes and hands her this P45, which is fake. So he manages to get accreditation. What buffoon gives him accreditation? Didn't they know who he was or did he lie? In which case, if he's lied on his accreditation, it must be easy peasy lemon squeezy for anybody else to do it. He could have got up there. He might not have been this so-called comedian. He could have just dragged her off the podium and punched her. Could have been all sorts of things. But he managed to get in. It's that easy to get into Tory conference. You just sort of make something out. Because he can't have put his real name down. Because otherwise somebody, surely somebody, with half a brain cell would have gone, that's that comedian who pranks people. For his own good. He doesn't do it for any television programmes. He doesn't have any television programme. As far as I know, he's not touring at the moment either. So he's managed to lie to somebody. It's that easy to get. I mean, we have people here who get accreditation. It's quite complicated to get. Has he put his real name down? He went in disguise. I mean, do you not think somebody who was thinking about doing her harm would go in disguise? You know, they'd go in dressed as, you know, Osama bin Laden or something, just go, oh, it's just a disguise. That's why it highlights it. That's why it makes it more worrying that their security is so rubbish that he could just walk in there with sort of little badges on, which he got. Because he's not working for anybody like the BBC or ITV. So how did he get it? What did he put himself down as? And who was, who was the company who went, oh, yeah, give him one. He's sick. You know, he's obviously lied somewhere, because if he hasn't, somebody's either extremely lax or they're just as dumb as you ever think they could be. Uh, Opt out if you don't want to donate organs. All Britons may soon have to opt out if you don't want your... To be honest with you, after you've died, who cares what they take? They could take any bit of my body. Seriously, please take it. Any bit of my body. Because after you've actually gone, it's not going to make any difference. And so now you will have to opt out... When you sort of, you know, when you sort of come into that state, you could do it now. You could sort of, you know, go for something that says, I don't want my body parts to be used after I die. Why would you want to do that, though? Does it really? You have to opt out in Wales. Do you really? Oh, well, that's great. That's great. As I say, you're not going to feel anything. It's not going to make any difference if they can use your corneas or your heart or your liver or your kidneys or all sorts of things or your hands or your toes or your feet, whatever. Why not? But obviously I can understand some people... Might be a bit funny about that. If you've lost... The producer's got one. Constantly telling me about this thing. They don't want him. They don't want... Honestly. He said to, he said to me... I, go, I said, they don't want you. 
They're really not interested. <laughs> but it's, it's odd, isn't it, why we have this system? But I can understand it. If I was a parent and I had a child who died and they go, listen, we need to, to take this person's heart, you'd be going, I don't want. I don't want that to happen. I can understand that. Quite clearly understand it. But, you know, for everybody else, it does give people a chance uh, to live. It does make a lot of difference. Kevin, the milkman, says, we used to have the Corona man come round and the Alpine fizzy drinks man too in Harlow. The Alpine fizzy... What in God's name was that? The Alpine fizzy drinks man. Missing days, he says, I've been trying to source a fizzy drink supplier for the dairy, who still does reusable glass bottles, but no luck so far. The Alpine Fizzy Drinks Man. That sounds even more bizarre than the Corona Man. Sarah from Thatcham. Oh, I know Thatcham very well. My dad was a Corona... I used to live at Benham Hill. So I know that area very well. Uh, My dad was a Corona delivery man in the 70s. Bit like a milkman. I seem to remember a big smiley bubble on the label. He always brought drink home as a treat. Great memories. Sarah, he was thieving it. Okay, simple as that. (laughs) But I bet you the one that you had was that fluorescent green thing and the cherry aid or the cream soda. Delicious. Delicious. And uh, Steve, I'm 27. When you say Corona, you talk about beer. (laughs) No, fizzy drinks. Came in a big bottle. Big bottle. Uh, David says, how about the forgotten can of Top Deck? The low alcohol drink that was aimed at kids. Top Deck. I don't remember that one. You remember Top Deck, do you? Wasn't that like a shandy? Wasn't Top Deck a shandy? Was it half lemonade and a little bit of beer in it? Was that was that, that one? Vaguely in the back of my mind. Samuel says, I was lucky enough to grow up in a pub. Literally had Coke and lemonade on tap. I mean, literally on tap. So Top Deck. It was a brand of Beecher marketed to children. It ceased to exist, they say, in the 1990s. There you go. It was a low-alcohol shandy drink. Because if you, if you were a little person, you went out to the pub, you had to ask them, is it OK for the children to come in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are they drinking? Well, the two youngest are doing vodka. and <laughs> Doing little sort of shots and stuff like that. But a shandy was where you got... You could have a very weak... Sh- I didn't drink it because I didn't drink beer. And you'd get a little tiny bit of, of beer in the glass then topped up with lemonade. And you'd go, ooh, I'm drinking alcohol. It's like sweet cigarettes. <sighs> Smoking. No, you're not. It's a sweet cigarette. OK. Yeah, I've got sweet tobacco as well. That's really racy-pacy. So that's what Top Deck was. So now you know. But uh, no, when we talk about uh, Corona, it's not beer. I, I know all about Corona. Thank you very much indeed. But it's uh, it's not. But the Corona man in the 70s. So Sarah in Thatcham, her dad was that Corona man. How cool. Do you remember Cidrax, Phil? I do. I drink Cidrax when I dry. I drink Cidrax when... That's all I remember is that one line. Cidrax when you were dry. I drink cider. And it was a low-alcohol cider. I never liked cider. But I drink cidrax when I dry. And it was sort of done in that kind of uh, that kind of way. Strange the things you remember, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Still trying to work out whether Simon Brodkin actually applied for press, press accreditation or whether just as a, a member of a local party. Either way... Somebody at central office who approves all these things, and they've all got to be approved because the the vetting system is is quite strict. Obviously, not so in his case, you know. And they would know who he was because he's pranked Donald Trump before. He's done Sepp Blatter. He's 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 well known. He's been arrested for various. He did something. Oh, something else he did a while ago, wasn't there? And uh, I can't remember what it was now. But he he does these every so often. It's just very irritating. So he's done Sepp Blatter, Donald Trump, uh, Theresa May. He's also he's got loads of programmes. 
You know, he did stereo kicks when they were on the X Factor. He invaded the stage pretending to perform alongside them. He does it. He's just very annoying, actually. And what he did, he said it's uh, it's sort of he, he pretended to be a rapper called Stephen Goldblatt as a way to prove his opinion that untalented acts do well on the show. He was selected for the judges audition where he performed a rap about Britain named Red, White and Blue. He was proving his point, even though he was deliberately not talented. The judges put him through. <laughs> well, there you go. But I mean, it's just very annoying when they're doing something like that. And it could be, you know, anything. When he went down, Boris Johnson, uh, he, he went to Johnson when he when he went into the hall, gave him the thumbs up gesture before he was removed from the venue. He'd obtained the appropriate documents to attend the event, which led to calls to revise security measures. Yeah. He also, during a signing at HMV in Oxford Street, he performed a prank as, as Nelson, in which he stole his own DVD and was chased by an actor dressed as a policeman. A real policeman believed it was an actual theft. Did you see the other day, changing the subject? There was an actor out there filming a, a robbery. They, they were making a film. The police opened fire on him. He was lucky he wasn't shot dead. He's going, he's wearing a mask and everything else. He goes, we're filming. We're making a film. Whether it's a little known film, I don't know. Uh, Gemma says, 80 days till Christmas. That will annoy people. Oh, guaranteed. Guaranteed. It'll annoy the people who are bar humbug. The people who don't want to enjoy Christmas. But I think, I think you should. And I'll tell you the reason. I've only just thought of it as well. Because there will be people listening who might be ill at the moment. And they might not go as far as Christmas. So as far as I'm concerned, you give them that... That bit of happiness before Christmas so that people can do it. I've heard of it before happening and I, I quite like it. So that's why I never, ever knock Christmas. If it's, you know, if it's, say, a child who is, who is terminal, who's not going to make it to Christmas, well, then you celebrate it as often as you can. That's why. Little Julie says, say her more. Uh, good morning to listeners Steve and Jackie, who are in Hayes. Hayes. Hayes came up in, in my radar the other day. And why, I cannot remember for the life of me. But I remember thinking Hayes. I know Hayes quite well. That's right, that's right. There was a, there's a haze in Kent. Outrageous. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Two hazes. Why have we got two hazes in the country? Couldn't they call one haze by Solent or something? I don't know. Daily Express this morning, why TV's Davina is still divine at 50. Because she is. Because as I pointed out earlier on in the programme, she works out. She does it all the time. It's part of... It's, it's just part of her. She is... She's fit. I mean that in the nicest possible way. She is a fit person. You know, the third-rate D-listers from a few tatty old reality shows, they, they just do it to make some money. And then they go on television programmes after they've lost the weight and then they pile it all back on again. Davina doesn't because she works at this every day. This is part of her, her regime. Uh, Trust Teresa's fighting spirit, say the Daily Express. May overcomes prankster and coughing fits to spell out her British dream. They just call him the prankster. It's so funny, isn't it? So funny. Uh, also inside the papers today, this is the sexualised game Assault Shame on the ex-GCHQ spy boss. Uh, Theresa May, every coffined and spit, poor soul, and they give her water, which doesn't help at all. They should have given her something a bit better, a little bit of turmeric in, um, in some Manuka honey. They must have had something like that. Surely there must be a doctor on call. Can't you give her a spray? Get her through it? Michael Crawford... When he was doing Phantom of the Opera, if ever he sort of got to that stage, there were people there giving, you know, helping him out. That's the whole idea. Don't just leave somebody to flounder, you know, giving a throat. So she's got to talk with a throat lozenger in. It's not very clever, is it? Uh, the Guardian. Coughing and spluttering. May's British stream turns into a nightmare. Not her fault. We've all had it. The speech aimed at resetting the public opinion backfires, makes apology for result of snap election. Uh, also, the other headline, the Catalan president vows to 
Press on with independence. Uh, and also, why do we struggle, says Suzanne Moore in her column today, to understand US gun culture? I don't think we struggle to understand it. We understand that they're quite clearly as balmy as fruit bats. And you can go out there and you can buy a gun. This bloke, yesterday, who committed that atrocity in Vegas, 37 guns he acquired. There's obviously no limit. But surely when you go and buy a gun, does it not go onto a computer? And they put your name in and your address. And they go, you've already got 37 guns. How many more do you want? Perhaps it should be limited. Perhaps you should have to get a, a card or something. I don't know. Whatever it is, they're not going to change their, their system over there. A friend of mine wrote that on his Twitter feed and said they are not going to change. Piers Morgan said exactly the same. Uh, Nick Clegg says painkillers. Why do we allow them to kill and cause pain? I'm on painkillers. I need them to stop the pain. I mean, the pain is bearable. Take, you know, don't, don't sort of under, underestimate how much pain I've got at the moment because it's, it's just where they took skin off. So that's why. But um, we do allow them. But they won't give you huge amounts of painkillers. They give you sort of... I got three days' worth to start with and I'm going to go and pick up some more today and I'm assuming they'll probably give me either three or four days and that's it because we must be getting near the end of this. Please, God. Times this morning... Uh, Terry Gilliam, fantastic interview we have with Terry Gilliam. He's on the uh, on the the list of all the people who've been into LBC. Really interesting man, really interesting. Also high blood pressure, putting women at risk of dementia. Poor uh, Theresa May standing there, not only the voice going, but the sign falling apart behind her. And then she gets that unfunny comedian. Uh, the final warning after the speech shambles. She falls victim to a prank, coughing fits, and a faulty set. Uh, goodbye hangovers. This is a drug scientist called David Nutt. He says he's close to launching an alternative to alcohol that mimics the effects on the brain without causing a hangover. God, there'll be loads of you listening going, when's that one available? Soon, soon. And uh, the motor trade preparing for the worst new car sales figures since the recession as confusion over the future of diesel engines and economic uncertainty take hold. Plus, Brussels moving to force two multinational technology companies to settle unpaid bills. It says Amazon owes £250 million and Apple needs to pay £13 billion. Oh, good. <laughs> he says, oh, good. And finally, the Daily Telegraph. Luckless May, centre stage, tragic farce. And here is uh, some comedian. Uh, also, BBC pledges to close the 10% gender pay gap. Is that absolutely necessary? I mean, surely each person... Does it matter what sex somebody is, what they get? I mean, there are people here who probably get more money than I do and I get more money than some other people. Does it matter? Never bothered me in the slightest. King of Spain accused of ignoring Catalonia. And um, what else we have? Well, it's just... It's Theresa May, poor soul. She's, uh, she's suffering with this one. And, uh, and a pre-printed P45. Building a country that works for everyone is the slogan... But as I say, after the sign started falling down, it could be, and you could be forgiven for thinking we'd enter into some Brian Ricks farce. That's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Thank you for, for going in to donate some money to make some noise. We'll do it again tomorrow when we've got all sorts of things happening tomorrow on LBC. You will not want to miss anything. I've got some lovely interviews to play. Plus, I've got little clips from two of the guests who are going to be joining me for this weekend's In con I've just realised we haven't recorded the links for In Conversation yet, have we? We'll have to do those, those tomorrow as well. So uh, that's all to play for. Plus, uh, we have a free podcast for you this morning, and you can podcast this programme as well. But you need to do it by going to the LBC website, which is where you will also find out about all the other things that we're doing for Global's Make Some Noise. So it's lbc.co.uk. Uh, once you've downloaded the free LBC app, 
It means that you never miss anything at all. It means that you can then apply to uh, to download all the podcasting items that we have. Plus, there's a number of programmes now that have free podcasting. And you can look at gorgeously attractive pictures of the presenters that we have and learn even more about them. Have a great day. Uh, do join me tomorrow, please, from 4. As I say, you can podcast this programme and you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Steve Allen Show. Uh, that free LBC app means you never miss a moment. It's called the LBC Catch-Up app as well. Leading Britain's conversation at 10 this morning. I think it's Comedy Hour at midday. Comedy Hour with uh, with James O'Brien, because he's on Have I Got News For You this week. He's, he's filming that one, as he told me. Uh, but coming up next with breakfast, I wonder what the topic of conversation is going to be this morning with Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.